The future. All the guns are gone. Animals have mutated and attack me everywhere. Evil people are trying to take over the world, too. Life sucks. That may be so, but here, I'll give this guy a sword with amazing power, and he can kill all the fangs trying to ruin our lives. Ha! There! I smashed the evil flying robot that the bad guys were using, and... It fell down into the sand. The head looks familiar. No! It can't be! Oh, maniac! You blew it up! Oh, damn you! God! Damn you all to hell! Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down! You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack! And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meeky! your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite RPG show where we talk about games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Of course, as the mysterious voice at the beginning of the very long introduction said, I am one of your hosts, Phil Willis, and this is my partner, the man-at-arms himself, Mr. Mike Meeky. What arms do I have, aside from the two that are by my side? Uh... Actually, I think there's a gun around here somewhere, but that's not very RPG-ish now, is it? Yeah, you need, like, a big gun, a shield, some other, th- you know. You gotta, you gotta uh, be, like, man-at-arms on He-Man. That's the only man-at-arms I know of. I can't even grab a trash can lid anymore because all the trash cans now are these stupid things with the flip lids that don't come off. You can't grab it for a, lit- a shield anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a tragedy of new modern-day garbage cans. They deny our children the right to have a shield. When doing you can their still go grab a stick or something and use that for your sword, but where are you going to get a shield? Hmm. The, the landscape of cosplay has been changed forever by the garbage can. And on the show with us, long sought after, hard to find now that he's Papa, it's Mr. John Stringer. 
Hello, I welcome myself back after a while. Oh, we we almost forgot forgot what you sound like there, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Mike's been trying to hunt you down for years. Oh, it's not been years. Oh. You guys also did a lot of games I haven't been playing or I haven't played. So yeah. Well, well I mean, so I, I, we know well, obviously we need to fix that. Right. We know you've been busy for a while, uh, so you've not had a chance to play anything new. So, in picking out a game that we could discuss with you, we dug into our way, way, way back machine. And as we like to brag, this is the show where we talk about RPGs from the 80s sometimes right up through yesteryear way back when so uh so we have dug really deep and we have found it for you my friend we have found hide light that's right released in 1984 for the pc yeah that's that's what he told me one of the first japanese role-playing games ever made no this is a prank it's got the tower of druga in it or something oh wait that was a different one but it's got it's got fighting it's got slimes it's 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 hide light everybody knows hide light right why don't, we, why don't we just go watch the nerds take on Hydlide and that'll trap. refresh everybody? Yeah. Trap. You tricked me. Oh, fine. I guess we'll talk about something that's just a little bit more modern. We'll talk about Crystalis instead. Which is still on the NES. Which is still on the NES. It isn't, the, it isn't that much more advanced. Uh, so we were talking about Crystalis Being more today. advanced than Hydlide isn't much of an accomplishment. No, no, it's not. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Crystalis today, and who knows what else, because we're doing this on a Sunday, which is totally uncomfortable for me. It's still too early for me to dive into my intoxicated beverages. It's only uh, 3.30 p.m. over here, so yeah, yeah, going to have to hold off on that. That means we're going to have to do a straight-up sober podcast. Huh. Well, I don't want to be a bad influence on John's kids after all. Alrighty, well, uh, we'll take a tiny break while I guess I'll go pour myself some Kool-Aid, and we will be right back. Today, we are talking about the classic Crystalis, developed by SNK for the NES, and later on by Nintendo Software Technology for the Game Boy Color port. Woo-woo! This, uh, this was also published by uh, SNK and released on the NES uh, back in July of 1990. Uh, this is an action, adventure, single-player RPG experience, and in my opinion, one of the most underrated hidden gems of all time. A force to live in the shadow of that pointy-ear elf known as Link, who thinks he does it better. Please. Link doesn't have cold, hard cash. What has he got, rupees? Ha! <laughs> Not our hero on Crystalis, man. He's got a wallet. Well, first of all, 
SNK. We we never get to talk about SNK when it comes to RPGs. Uh, they didn't make very many. If, if any others besides this, uh, I'm sure if we hunt the Neo Geo library, we can find something. Oh, there's but... a few in the Neo Geo CD, but I don't know if they developed them or not. Yeah, I don't either. SNK... I think there's a uh, Samurai Showdown RPG, so they probably made that. I'm not mistaken. I know there's an RPG, but I don't remember if SNK had anything directly to do with it. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I think of when I think of uh, SNK is uh, Ikari uh, Warriors. Yeah. Uh, I love that game. Played that with my friends. It was one of the uh, first co-op type of games we could play on the NES together. Um, played Ikari Warriors 2 a lot, but every once in a while I go back and play the old Ikari Warriors 1. Ikari Warriors 2 was freaking on drugs. Whoever designed that game, they were smoking the peace pipe. Well, it's also uh, the Car Warriors, also a crappy port of the Neo Geo games. I hear too. Supposedly, hmm. like the arcade versions are much better. Well, Ikari Wars too, man. It was like an outer space. It was like they were total. I mean, from come, anyways, we didn't have an Ikari Wars. I know, and I know the Neo Geo had a bunch of shoot 'em ups too. Oh yeah, but of course, SNK is games. known for one thing. Yeah, King of Fighters. Art of Fighting, Samurai, Samurai Showdown, Showdown. Baseball could, Stars. <laughs> yeah, we, we could rattle off fighting games from SNK for a long time. So, your, your standard RPG developer, other words. Out of their element, but they did a good job. That is true. And I say that even though I played the Game Boy Color, which is somewhat different and not necessarily for the better. But uh, since you two actually played the original NES one, you can... Okay, okay, Mike... I hate to throw us off track again, but 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 you know what? Since 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 I started off the show making you know making a bit of a joke talking about you know hide light and stuff, I, I had it pulled up on the Google search here, and the picture of the game uh, the game box, the back of it, it says "Get all fired up for the adventure of a lifetime," and has this very action packed picture of this knight in shining armor fighting this dragon and has screenshots saying role-playing, action-adventure, password features, two speed levels, and then an official Nintendo seal of quality. Explain to me again why we're not doing Hydlide. John? <laughs> what, this what, terrible. What, 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 did, what did we do that got Phil onto the Hydlide kick? I have in? no idea. I don't know where this Hydlide uh, has come from. Oh my gosh, it's like... It's like You're, the uh, granddaddy of Crystalis. Crystalis yeah. or... Whatever. We're going to totally... That's what we do on this show. We just totally mispronunciate everything. We, we do it to y'all's names. We do it to the games. So save y'all... I don't y'all's... know if Crystalis or Crystalis is the correct one. I just... I guess they're interchangeable. See, the way I maybe, see maybe it... It's crystal, maybe it's Crystal is for all we know. Yeah, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. You, you take off the IS, what do you have? You have Crystal. The IS at the end doesn't change the way the first six letters are pronounced, in my you opinion. You would think that, but okay. there's so many other words where it does change it. Yeah, but I ignore those. This is my rules. So, yeah. I am reminded right now of George Carlin. These are my rules. I make them up. I make them up. But no, I mean, this game is so, so freaking awesome. But before we get into before we get into what I think makes it all awesome and stuff, let's talk about the story first. Because there is a pretty cool story on this one, which I actually think is a little better than, I don't know, certain stories well, about certain well, pointed an, ear elves kissing NES princesses. RPG, it's pretty substantial. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's actually longer 
than you'd expect to. Yeah, I'm actually not being sarcastic for once. Uh, again, compared to I don't know Legend of Zelda, which storyline was here? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chase even Zelda two didn't really have that much of a story. I mean, there was NPCs. I like the story. I mean, obviously the dialogue is is. I guess for NES standards, it's not bad, but for you know anything else, it's still fairly juvenile. But the story and the world and and uh, what was going on is pretty cool and it, and pretty early for the time. You, you'll see it's kind of uh, it is post-apocalyptic, so that wasn't necessarily mainstream quite yet. But the whole uh, the process of killing the bad guy, collecting you know swords and and uh, fighting the generals is kind of pretty standard now. Pretty yeah, standard well, well, this was this this was post apocalyptic, but they still had green grass. Yeah, that's true. like it wasn't all brown and gray like certain other. You know that that you know try well, to do the it, same thing. It's post apocalyptic, but it's what a hundred years after the apocalypse, so mm-hmm. some stuff has had time to re- regrow. Which yeah. makes it a lot more attractive to look at. Oh, and apparently the apocalypse happened in 1997. <laughs> Uh-oh. Which is the same year that the apocalypse was going to happen in Terminator 2. <laughs> Coincidence? This game came out before Terminator 2, in fact. So, I mean, as as you can expect with any global thermonuclear uh, nuclear disaster, it has I think full... it, like, tilted the planet on its axis. A whole bunch of war did. So yeah, I, like screwed it up. Screwed it up, and it forced all of our culture back to a primitive, medieval type of existence. I mean, because that's exactly what you would expect. And of course, it's now populated with fierce mutated creatures. You didn't think Fallout created that, did you? Oh no, 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 no. Crystalis was doing it way before they were. Was, so, was it, but did Wasteland create it? Yeah, Wasteland. Or Wasteland. <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, Wasteland would have come out before this. I would think. Science, uh, science, technology were all abandoned, but the old ways of magic came back because how else would we have magic in the game? You know, we get kind of boring without that, right? So we got to have that. Um, and uh, and I guess some people and uh, built a big floating tower to prevent any such future catastrophes. Remember the tower? Yeah, and I don't. It doesn't really make sense, but yeah, it's some like a uh, very big floating tire that's got some weapon systems. military weapon system but that's right that's unless, how you enforce yeah. that's how you enforce the the will of peace i guess so yeah everybody knows that you only have peace when you're strong enough to tell everybody stop making trouble or we'll kill you but of course there's always got to be somebody who who wants to to screw up what what clearly is a perfect plan to begin with and that would be the emperor dragon Dragon, hint, hint. Dragon, yeah. Very subtle. Yeah. And the you, tier, you'll never the, guess what he turns into. <laughs> the Dragonia Empire he's got. Yeah, but you know, he, so so he has ta- he has he has found, rediscovered the dark secrets of science, and has combined them with magic, which is expressly forbidden in some law somewhere. That's like that's like mixing two drugs or something. You're just it's not going to end well. Yeah, you'll probably flame out in a spectacular fashion, which again is not foreshadowing at all. Mm-mm. And uh, your protagonist wakes up from a what, hundred year sleep. You put your you're a scientist that put yourself to sleep during the last war to 
wake up whenever uh, the tower was threatened and Dragon wants to take over the tower and uh, I guess rule more of the world or destroy the world. He has some kind of evil plan, of course. So you wake up, you and a girl named was it Mesia or Messina or something? Let me look here. What was her name? Uh, I'm checking where it is. Messia. Messia. Yeah, Messia. So she was also another scientist, and she wakes up with you, and then you're kind of parted at first, and you got to find her. And you go, and basically you go from village to village, and there's a dungeon around the village. There's a few exceptions where you go to the same village a few times, but in typical fashion, it's new village, new dungeon, new village, new dungeon. With some backtracking, and of course, but uh, you collect the four sor- elemental swords. Was it uh, wind, fire, water, water, and, and thunder? Or thunder, yeah, lightning. They call whatever. it thunder. It's supposed to be lightning, obviously. And then when their four powers combine, they create the crystal sword. <clears throat> but yeah, you go, and then there's some sages. That uh, you meet up and they give you the swords. You kind of rescue them or find them in a way, and then they go, "Oh, here's a here's a new sword." And they also give you some new magic spells, uh, stuff but like one healing, of the magic spells allows you to constantly check in with the sages. And most of the time, they have nothing useful to say. Yeah, you f- it's kind of like you you uh, you dial them up, and, uh, and they'll say, hey, tell you, uh, "Hey, I'm I'm looking for." Uh, this particular artifact, you sh- it's over there. I'm already looking over there. Thanks. <laughs> no, that you don't have anything more helpful. You're not a very helpful sage. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you uh, ate all of these different um, sages. They give you your spells. You buy some. You find cool items. You go through the dungeons and you encounter uh, the four generals. I remember Kelbesk was a bastard. General Kelbesk is this orc-looking dude. And there's also the... Is he the one who rolls around in a ball all over the screen? I'm trying to recall. I think he's the one with the... I think he stood and, like, swung a spear or a big sword at you. I can't even remember the name of the one who rolls into a ball, but on the the GBC, that's just a pain in the butt because he's so fast that you're... Maybe it was him, because it was also Sabir the Witch and Swordsman Mado. Maybe Swordsman Mado's got the big... But I thought Kobesk had like a big spear, too, or something. And then Carmine the Wizard. Carmine's the one that shoots shit at you, I think. Yeah. He was inside the tower, if I remember correctly. But it's been a, it's been a few years since I've played this again. Well, the wizard patterns weren't too difficult, so long as you just stay awake and are able to dodge. They're pretty They're pretty easy to handle. Okay. It's... Oh, what is his stupid name? I'll just call him the guy who rolls around the screen like a jerk, because he's seriously it's probably too damn It's probably Kobesk. Unless it's a swordsman. It's one of those two. No, I, I, always... I seem to remember him managing to shake rocks down or something every time he stopped. I may mm. be remembering wrong. Just... I also could start, in my memory, get this mixed up with East games. So, and there's there's a lot of similarities. I can but, see that. But um, the, you fight Dragon, and then he turns into his super dragon dragon uh, form, and you f- kill him, and then you 
fight a machine called Dyna. Which is the central computer operating system of the tower, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, for some reason they swapped the order of the bosses in Game Boy Color. You fight the computer and then you fight Dragon. Really? Oh, that's weird. And the computer was an absolute joke because with the, the with the lightning sword and the item that lets you shoot level one charges with every attack, then you can just stand in one spot. <laughs> okay, okay. So speaking of box covers, I, I just pasted a, a URL. Uh, you guys have got to look up if you're on the internet. Uh, you got to look up the back cover to this uh, SAK Crystalist game or whatever, or maybe it's just an advertisement. I can't tell. Oh, look, it's little Minky as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Hey. So, so, <laughs> so. But I'll try to paint a mental image for 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 our listeners who are on the road here. So you got this. What is you that got the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing from Fantastic Four. <laughs> so you've got this. You got this picture of what appears in the center of this a little bit. A little bit. Uh, below the middle you got this young lad with a sword and a shield and he's surrounded by the thing of where those are monsters those are fairly decent drawings of monsters that appear in the game yeah you got a werewolf you got like an eye with eight legs like a spider coming out of it you got some slime looking creature in the background and and then way in the background you got a mountains and a little floating castle the big tower thingy we're we're talking about now way behind that really and you know is this big huge kid right he's like coming up behind the mounts like he's some sort of deity or something and he's staring with his mouth half open his eyes wide open at the adventure that's taking place between this young lad and these monsters uh, uh way down in front of him and on the top it says the more you get into it the more you get out of it crystalis now. Okay, okay. You got to put your mind back in the times, boys and girls. This was uh, just a few years after the big fiasco with Dungeon Dragons, where a young man had committed suicide. And when they investigated it, they found a loose connection with the Dungeon Dragons game he was playing. At that time, my my mother uh, told me that she didn't want me playing those types of games anymore. Now, if you grew up at that time and you had to face some of that culture stuff war that was going on against rpgs at the time and the such well boys and girls let's just say that covers like this didn't help the cause out any this kid looks like he's just been he's just left reality behind he's just he's, he's sucked into this demonic world of monsters and, and eyeballs with eight legs so uh that is hilarious oh it can't be me because i wore glasses at that time <laughs> So he's got to open his eyes real big. He can't see very well. Ah! Oh my gosh! It, that that one right there. I I would I would just be like if I was one of those conservative mothers. I'd be like, nope, my kid ain't playing. No, no, I ain't getting sucked into this world with eyeballs and werewolves. All right. Well, well, well. Speaking of speaking of looks and the such, the game looks amazing. Yeah, it's it pretty. It's pretty good. Some sometimes I think the. Some of the graphics and stuff is a little too busy at times, but overall, it's uh, definitely it's a good looking NES game. We're talking lots of vibrant, uh, vibrant colors, violent, uh, uh, vibrant graphics. Um, just like you said, it's a little busy. There's a lot. There's a lot that tends to be going on at any point in time. Uh, but it was it was very bright and beautiful. I mean, to be honest, because I generally don't read instruction books or text. Um, even way back when, unless it was a Dungeons Dragons game, then I read every page. 
but for most of these guys, I was renting them. They didn't even come with instructions. You just pop the thing in and you start playing it. Um, I didn't even think I realized it was post-apocalyptic uh, yeah. because it certainly doesn't look like it. No, not too much um, until you get some of the like uh, the old like machine areas where you can kind of read some of the dialogue and stuff. You can kind of pick up some things, but no, it uh, it looks like it's like a normal fantasy world for the most part. Yeah, obviously mutation occurred really fast because those uh, those snake things and the what are they, the giant bears or whatnot. I guess it's a werewolf. It looks okay. like were tiger. Yeah. Yeah. You no know, one. I did like that big insect you fought in the swamp. That looked pretty cool. Yeah. The um. Uh, uh. Yeah. The hero was very very detailed. Again, it looked looked to me it looked more detailed than uh than Link. But yeah, the sprite yep, working character and the uh, the animations were really nice too. So uh, we'll definitely have to post some. Uh, the, I'm I'm just pulling up some screenshots uh, and sharing them with the guys. But we'll definitely have to um, share some of these on the uh, threads on our forums, which you can find at rpgamer.com. Hit the forum link. Do it. Do it what now. What impressed me most about the game is just how much variety there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah for an action RPG of the NES era, it's fairly long, like ten, twelve hours if you trying to do everything but you're going through a lot of different areas and they almost all have a different aesthetic and unique enemies yep and you get to ride a dolphin you do <laughs> and you fight while on that dolphin and they has yeah and they also had a cool thing where you could teleport which a lot of games made you hoof it around everywhere but uh you could get a spell that teleported you from town to town it's a spell or an item that teleported you from town to town and it made a lot of the backtracking easier than having to walk back and forth annoyingly fighting the same monsters that popped up over and over again on the screen. So it alleviated that issue somewhat. And is... you had uh... yeah, you had the standard magic spells. Here's the healing spell, which the healing spell gets really annoying later in the game. It heals 6 HP at a time. Yeah. So you... <laughs> To fully heal by the end, you're going to be pressing the A button a lot. The other, the, the it's not without some annoyances or uh, limitations. Um, obviously, being on the NES with only two buttons for the most part, uh, I guess some games use the start and select and such. But you have a you know an attack, and then the other buttons for spell or item or whatever. So when you get like thirty different items and spells and cycling between them and what to equip on and it become you have to go to like a, a pause menu and, and change stuff out which is for an action quick quick paced action game it really breaks up the uh, the fun I think yeah it's like that and I don't really know what they could have done to fix it no, there just aren't true. enough buttons on the NES controller yeah and then it's really annoying is uh the, the way they made the game, uh, certain enemies are obviously going to be weak or more resistant to certain swords and attacks or uh, invulnerable to certain swords of the different elements. So you'll have one guy that gets destroyed by fire really easily, gets hurt a little bit by lightning, and is totally immune to the water. So 
you have a, the water sword equipped and you go around and you just make little ding noises and you can't even kill them. Or if you have the wrong sword equipped, it'll take you 20 strikes or 10 hits to kill them. Or if you have the proper one equipped, you, it would take two. And uh, so this can be annoying it, it is when they mix the different enemies even in the same area uh, or right next mm-hmm. to each other. So you can't kill one with one. You can barely kill the other. So you'll kill one, swap, go to the menu, swap the sword, then go and kill the other, which I found to be the most annoying thing in the game. Now that they did change for Game Boy Color... They? None of the enemies are immune to any element. Uh, okay. Uh, and yeah, yeah, some of them are more effective, but you can use any weapon to kill anything. Oh, no, I wouldn't like that. And then uh, some of the bosses were also like that. Or if you just weren't high enough level, you just couldn't hurt the boss at all. So you could get to a spot in the game where you, if you didn't grind enough and didn't kill enough enemies, you just can't kill the boss even if you play well, which is unlike... Most other action RPG, I guess East does that too, but uh, like Zelda, you can, you know, there's no leveling system really, so your sword yeah. is just as powerful. You do get the charger sword; you could hold it and then fire your sword off, which is, but you can't move while you do it, so you gotta, you kind of stand there and you're, you're vulnerable while you're doing it. Which is why the item you get later on that lets you yeah. use the level one charge instantly is so damn handy. And because the, the level one charge is also a ranged attack. Yeah. And your sword, you know, it doesn't have a bad range, but you generally don't want to get too close to most of these things. And the enemies do swarm you in this one. Uh, they, they actually attack at you. They don't necessarily just walk in a set pattern all the time. No, they home in on you. Mm-hmm. And so they will swarm you if you're not careful, and you got to do some quick movements. Uh, there's some guys, uh, I think that skeleton guy with the shield or something like that, I remember them being very annoying. Or they're like a warrior or something where they just like rush you. And they're hard to kill. You had to do some quick maneuvers. Yeah, I remember guys like that. I also remember the beds of spikes that are... You just have to walk through them or use your magic to float over them for a bit. It's <clears throat> It demands your attention. And the other, there's no, like, a lot of small-level puzzles, like stuff like Zelda or other action RPGs, but it's more of going to an area and having the right equipment or the right spell for the right dungeon, and then... I remember trying to get in that swamp was really annoying because you had to give some the mask or something. To, so you yes, if you don't have the mask, then you die within a couple of seconds because the air is poisonous. But I couldn't find the mask, and you had to get that boot thing that lets you like hop over stuff on the ground. You know what I'm talking about doing this little thing yep, that lets you jump, and so you had to like hop around everywhere so you wouldn't get hurt by the the spikes or some bramble stuff on the ground. But it's hard to really figure out how to do it. It took a lot of going to the same places over and over and over and over again. You know, we've all been there with some of these older RPGs where you're like, okay, I'm here. I have no idea what to do. And you finally just stumble. Oh, maybe maybe this item does something. Oh, it, it lets me jump. Oh, hmm. So, or there could have been dialogue that told me that, but either it's too cryptic or I just missed it. Could have been either. I don't remember, honestly. I just remember getting the boots wherever you do and mm-hmm. using them. Because if you stand for more than tenth of a second in that poisonous ground, then uh, you take damage. And you just got to mean hop, 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 hop. Yep. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and if you're really good at it, then you can just jump and jump and not hit take damage, even if you're in the damaging zone, because that part is definitely reflex-driven. Yeah, and I don't know. I just remember being stuck there for a while. 
that that stuck out in my head. And I remember fighting the generals and enjoyed those. Those were always like the little mini boss battles, which are, are a lot of fun. And the big insect at the swamp was really cool because that wasn't where you the insect didn't really. It, it was a different style of boss fight where kind of you, you were you couldn't go any further in, in north or up. It was you're, almost you, like you're you're in a shoot 'em up. In yeah, some ways. yeah, that's true. And that so the boss cool. just occupies a certain plane, and you can't get onto it, and you just have to dodge its attacks and sneak it in whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a couple of puzzle moments where you have to use the transformation spell to turn into some NPC. And uh, oh yeah, let's see. I think once you had to turn into a sage and then talk to somebody who only trusts that sage to get the right item. You know, like a, a young prince or princess, we had to transform and talk to. Queen, yes, yeah, in queen. The, the village of women where they hate men. <laughs> ah, yeah. You have to turn into a woman before anybody will give you anything. Wasn't that it, there's one in the, the the dolphin area where you go, you transform, and you talk to the queen. You got to go through her back room, and someone's trying to duck her, right? And you go and get on the dolphin, and the little. Yep. Yeah. And it that, wasn't actually the queen. It was, I think, another sage help, trying to help you. Yeah, sounds right. I remember that. And if you try and buy anything in the stupid town, then they'll just say, you're a man, get out of here. <laughs> but, um, other than that, I mean, it's kind of straightforward action affair. I think it's much more finely tuned in a better game than a lot of them. It's, I think, in my personal opinion, one of the top ten NES games uh, released. And I do like it better than Zelda, which I enjoyed Zelda. The, the original Legend of Zelda, but how they're similar in, in, in battle, I think this is more of a true RPG, whereas Zelda is kind of eh, just more of an action adventure game. Because there is a level up system in here, and there is you know gaining new spells and money and all that cash, mm-hmm. cold hard cash. And yeah, you got one hell of an inventory in here. Even inventory. if figuring it out can be kind of a yeah. pain. As I recall. Flipping through the inventory, you've got to make damn sure that you actually equipped something rather than just unequipped something. It, it's a little confusing that way. You know, if you suddenly get killed by something that shouldn't have done more than about twenty HP damage, then you know, oh crap, I unequipped my armor. I didn't put on the new one. Or maybe that's just in the Game Boy Color version. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't recall that, and not. I just remember. Being in the way of having to go to those menus, I guess I'm a little spoiled with more modern games where you can kind of switch stuff on the fly or or have more presets for for items and, and such. But you know they did what they did what they you know could deal with and what what they had available. So in order yeah, to get that level know, of complexity, if you can figure out the boss patterns, then you can generally get by. Because this was back in the day when. You just had to be good enough to dodge the enemies enough to survive. There, there's no real cheat for that. Except late in the game when you get the barrier spell, which is so awesome that you can just use it whenever you're about to take a hit. <laughs> which I admit I did a couple of times. Because, you don't have to you know, try anymore then. You just stay in there. Not really. <laughs> just whenever something is coming at you, activate barrier, turn it off. Otherwise you'll blow through your magic points pretty fast. And especially with the level 1 sword distance attack, bam, just keep hitting, you'll eventually win. But you don't get it until pretty late in the game, so you'll have to have some skill before that. 
And now I have to talk about the one thing in the Game Boy Color version. Well, there are a couple things. Here's the one thing that definitely changes how it plays. If you look at the screens on uh, Hardcore Gaming near the bottom, the comparisons between the NES and the Game Boy Color, look how much more zoomed in the Game Boy Color shots are. Yeah, and that's what turned me away from actually playing the Game Boy Color game. For me, it was simple. I had, I have a Game Boy Advance, and I don't have a readily accessible NES, so I played the Game Boy Color version, and you know, it's a good game. But that that really cramped viewpoint can be really nasty because look, you've got about what three body lengths in any <laughs> direction, so it's really easy to get surprised by something. I think he'll have to send you an, an NES. I have a few extra. I'd be down. <laughs> and you should play this game on the NES. I probably should. I'd probably have an even better time than I did. Oh, yes, and the Game Boy Color version apparently has a completely different soundtrack, and from trying to listen to it a few times, I can say that it's not a good soundtrack. Yeah, you know, the, the music on the NES, I remember liking... I remember a few being annoying, and I remember liking uh, several of the songs, though. But, you know, obviously the... The NES sound output is very simplistic, and and uh, we we all know the the the, the abilities of the uh, soundtracks it can make. But for an NES game, I, I did like uh, some of the songs in there. For whatever reason, they replaced everything for the Game Boy Color, yeah. and I can say that I don't remember any of it right now, except that um, in playing it a couple times at break, my workmates told me to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a uh, licensing issue with the original composer of the songs or something, I imagine. Could have been, since the Game Boy Color version has a different director. Yeah. But... Maybe they're just saying, oh, we want new music. Or maybe switching it over to the Game Boy Color was tough or something, I don't know. Could have been. All I can tell you is that not everything made the transition well, although not having to switch swords constantly, that was a good thing. Yeah, that sounds like I would like that. And apparently they expanded the final area a bit after you take out the CPU, which I know is the final boss in the NES. You get to go through a, a maze of doors on the tower before you finally find Dragon. Uh, that was that was different, at least. I'm not going to say it was amazing, but it was pretty decent. Okay, this is a, the tower. This is why the tower fan. The tower was a uh, an ancient weapon used to judge humanity to see whether it progressed beyond the wars that destroyed it. And it just passed. This is from Hardcore Gaming. This I forgot this part. Uh, Mizia and the heroes were scientists who had helped design the tower before. I knew that putting it in the stasis or in charge to make the final decision as to whether or not it should be used based on humanity has grown since the last disaster. Okay, I w- wasn't aware of that. Uh, naturally, Empire wants it for its own. So the Empire is trying to take it. You are in crowd. You're like its protectors, and it, and it's basically almost like gods. So you judged humanity to see if they've come along. I thought the tower just kind of I don't know worked on its own or something. Uh, they, well, that changes the does, GBC version. That does fit with the Japanese title of God Slayer. Yeah, that's <laughs> I true, can't yeah. imagine why Nintendo made that get changed over here. <laughs> And the GBC version, the towers turned into a mere Dragonian superweapon, opting instead for a more Neo-Luddite magic using rebels versus an evil technology-based empire theme. 
like most other cliched RPG plots out there. Okay, so the NES version is the kind of way we described it. He's trying to take over the tower and um, use it for his own purposes for world domination and or destruction where uh, you or scientists are created who are sickened of the world and we're going to use it as a judgment on humanity if they hadn't changed their terrible, evil ways. It's so. probably a good thing we don't have one of those around. <laughs> you mean you mean uh, satellite weapons? <laughs> wouldn't it, wouldn't that a uh, one of the Bond plots? I think that's more than one Bond plot. <laughs> Um, let's see here. We've got the pyramid. We've got the... Oh, yeah, I remember the pyramid. That's out in the desert. I remember yeah, the, the water area. Well, let's see. Fight on the back of the dolphin. You go through a couple of snow areas, you know, snow mountains. That's not exactly new, but it's well done. The snow, yeah, the snow was alright, but then it had those little slippery slides that you couldn't go up, which annoyed the hell out of me. And you had to go down some to go and backtrack and get some items and go all yep. the way back through. Yeah, that, that always aggravated me, but it's a nitpicky, I guess. It's something we've seen in a whole lot of other games, and, you know, Crystalis doesn't do it worse than anybody else, I think. Yeah, it's true. You certainly get plenty of bosses, even if once you know what you're doing, they bo- they mostly down- go down pretty fast. Mm-hmm. If you're the right level. Yeah. If you're not the right level, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, get... You're, you're pretty you're, much just gonna die. Get out of here. <laughs> or, yeah, try to run away. If you could. It's not, you couldn't always run away, though. Usually you couldn't, I think. Um... What was your uh, favorite areas or levels? Well, the swamp you mentioned. The swamp you mentioned, where (laughs) first you have to make those inhuman, uh, whatever they were, the gnomes, the dwarves, whatever they were, trust people by going and finding a missing child because that's the solution to everything. You found my missing child. Everyone in this village who threw who threw garbage at you in the first place will now trust you unconditionally. Uh, that, that leads up to the giant insect boss. That was a very interesting area. Yeah, um, and the only problem I had with the insect boss, I love the insect itself. It's pretty cool looking in your character. But, like, the whole background was just, like, black. And I'm guessing if they would have put a... how with the movements and everything to prevent slowdown, they did it that way. But it looks very, like, you know, black on top, blue on the bottom. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, two-tone colors, and that's it. It does, but you know what? I'd rather have it this way than have a horrible slowdown fest. Yeah, and I imagine that's why they had to do it that way. Because we know the NES just couldn't handle very much at one time. Nope. Uh, And that big labyrinth maze place where you end up fighting all the generals over again. Mostly I remember it because it was pretty long for this game, but also because... uh, it has a fair number of phases to it. It's not just one long slog through a bunch of enemies. You get statues that spit stuff at you. You have to go through a gigantic courtyard with a bunch of dead ends and a whole bunch of bird things that get in your face. And then you start going through the bosses, the generals again, and this time actually killing them so that you'll never be bothered by these idiots again. Yeah, I remember there being one dungeon that was felt kind of long. 
and it was kind of where you, you go inside and then outside, like on some reddish cliffs. I think it's where you fought one of the either Kelbesk or Mado for the first time. And it had those little uh, warrior guys that would attack you. Yeah, I maybe kind of tough. I'm trying to. I remember that fighting that one boss out on that red cliff area was uh, uh, fairly fun. I think that was the first mini boss encounter of one of the four generals or whatever. Yeah, my boss experiences were a little different than yours just because of the stupid cramped screen on the Game Boy Color. That's true. There wasn't much room to see any scenery. <laughs> and... Fear. Yeah, there were a couple of caves you go through that had small mazes, nothing major, but also nothing frustrating. Mm. There's a sort of like a dungeon almost, a medieval dungeon with lots of what looks to be boiling water blocking you off from various areas and I remember that one. I did like that one like palace type um I think I guess it's probably the pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid is also kind of a maze. And Which one at that the cool point, statues and stuff. At that point, I was not fighting too much anymore because I think I had reached level 16. And, you know, there's not much point in fighting the regular enemies if, after that. Yeah. So I can't necessarily say that it, this is the greatest action RPG ever, but it certainly doesn't deserve to have fallen to the memory hole, it seems to have. Because after the Game Boy Color version, we've heard nothing. Yeah, I mean, it also came out fairly late. Later, not late, too late, I guess, but later in the NES uh, life cycle. Late-er, yeah, but Super Nintendo wasn't out here yet, so it had no real competition for Nintendo fans. It's true. It's just, it wasn't a Nintendo game, it was an SNK game, so. Yeah, and by that point, the NES did have quite a big library for people to sift through. But really, this is one of my favorite NES games. Uh, definitely my favorite action RPG on the system. Um, I rank it up there with um, the uh, older Ease games, and as far as complexity and and uh, such, it's up there. And, but I think it has one of the better stories and, and plots and worlds. Wait, wait, wait! Uh, did, 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 I've been listening this whole time because I, I like rid of this for a weekend. So this was back in like ninety something, very early nineties. So my memory, probably. yeah, my memory is really, really. Did you kind show of... your mom that ad? No, no, because then she would have never let me rent it. No, that was um, the back of the box. He had to only he had to always yeah. lay oh, right. it down back first. No, you rented it. So I, I rented it. All I had was a blockbuster box. <laughs> uh, yeah, those, those were boring. Yeah. They were nothing like the library books I checked out. Remind me to tell you about the library books I checked out sometime. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, – but I did uh, I did do a, a little bit of quick um, – you know, watched a couple of Let's Plays and stuff. Did you all mention the, the, uh, the point-and-click adventure aspect of the game? Like mm-hmm. the fact that you had to do certain things in certain order or talk to certain people or whatever to progress? Well, that was just kind of any RPG, really. That was – no, no. <laughs> No, you got to talk to NPCs in the right way. Well, yeah, you had to give, you had to find a certain item. It was a bit opaque. Oh yeah, we talked about the item thing. Oh, okay, I'm all right. I'm sorry, I must. I didn't been... think it was annoying sometimes. Yeah. 
We had to get the boots. Was... We had to get the thing for the, the, the mask for the swamp. Then those are some of the examples we gave. Okay. All right. Sorry. And then you never used it ever again. <laughs> never used it ever. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you, some, you know, some of you did, some not all. Of them. I guess or the, you're. Or the usable items. I kept wondering what these rings were for because you can't really equip them. It turns out they replenish either your life or your mana, which you know is not what you expect a ring to do. Yeah. No, I guess you're right. When I think about it, I mean, even Zelda had the whole you got to use a certain item to burn up a bush in order to find the staircase to the next dungeon type of secrets going on, and you couldn't even advance the game. It, it added artificial, uh, artificial length. Uh, a Dragon Quest. Yeah, you're right. Okay, all the games of those generations had a stupid RPG, old RPGs. <laughs> Pain in my ass. I, yeah, yeah. That's, still, that's probably my only complaint with this game because in any other, every other way, I just remember having you know, a ton of fun with it. And I have no idea. I, I don't know if I, because I just rented it for a weekend, I just ran around, beat a bunch of things up and did, you know, didn't actually progress very far with the items or if I did figure it out or if I had a Nintendo power to help me out. Well, well this, if you had it for a weekend, that was actually enough time. Yeah, the if question you knew what you were doing. If you knew what you're doing, yeah. The question is, would Phil have? Would young Phil have figured out the puzzles that today piss old Phil off? Um, like in, I mean, poor Minky, by the way, boys and girls. He puts up with so much of me sending him Skype messages at 10 p.m. saying, Mike, I hate Dragon Quest XYZ, whichever number I'm on, because there was some arbitrary item that I had to use, some urn to pick up some stupid grains of sand that I got back like five years ago, and I was supposed to remember to use it. And I talked to every NPC five times and couldn't figure it out till I read an FAQ. Yeah. Yeesh. I've, as everyone who's listened to me before knows, I'm not a huge fan of puzzles. It uh, required puzzles in RPGs. I think they're awesome if you want to use them uh, to, you know, to, to for the players to find secrets, hidden weapons, new spells, something like that, uh, hidden character. But but when it's required to complete the game, that's the only thing I can get on my nerves because the problem with, with puzzles is if the player can't figure them out for whatever reason, then it's a brick wall. Yeah, I hate those puzzles. But as well, but too. but you're right. They were they were just bread and butter for the uh, you know the late '80s, early '90s. It was the uh, it was uh, it was in every game, just about. So, and yeah. let's face it, by NES standards, Crystallis is not obscure. No, no, that's true. It didn't oh, have my. a lot of puzzles. That's that's welcoming. The thing that like I said earlier that pissed me off the most is the swapping of swords. Because, yeah, the NES just didn't have enough buttons to let you do that with your handy shoulder trigger, right. which would have been so handy. But, no, you can't do that. Oh, gosh, I remember playing one of the Mega Man, later Mega Man games. It might have been like a Mega Man X something or whatever where, you know, you're playing on one of the later controllers to have a shoulder button and you're able to swap the weapons out with, you know, switch between them by just hitting those shoulder buttons back and forth instead of having to pause and pick it from the menu. And, and and you realize for the first time that you actually don't have to be pulled out of the action every time you want to swap a weapon. Yeah, you know, a Super a few, NES controller for this game would have been great. A few months ago, I played and beat Mega Man 2 on a friend's Wii. And this just jives so well with my memory of having to go into the damn menu every five seconds because it it's a Mega Man game. You have to change your your weapon all the time. Oh, yeah. Or the, the item 2, item 1, item 3 whatever those stupid platform-making things were, going into the menu every time and then immediately swapping out so that you can have a weapon in hand, that was just really annoying. 
So, the NES controller did not have very many buttons. It was sad. No, no. I mean, so many RPGs you had to make use of the the start and select button for whatever reason. Usually going to menus. But, yeah, that that's just the way it is. Uh, but, uh, did, did we talk on the music? We talked about how John remembers the soundtrack in general favorably, and my Game Boy Color experience was... Um, at best, unmemorable, and at worst, I don't think my boss told me to knock it off, but I think a, co- a coworker at another cubicle said, uh, "Can you turn that down?" <laughs> now, if you're big into if you're big into retro gaming, uh, I've got a couple of friends that are just have to have the physical copies of everything. Uh, you can grab the uh, the NES, which uh, I think you two seem to agree w- with with my feelings on the subject, which is like the NES. Version is actually probably the better one to experience, if at all possible. Um, but you can get it for around fifteen bucks, give or take, uh, just depending on you know how you find it out there in the wild. But um, but I know our listeners deserve more. You know they they want they said Phil the way you describe that promotional artwork, we want that box, we want the instructions. In fact, Phil, we want it in the shrink wrap. And you know what? I'm looking out for you. Because I have found Crystalis Nintendo factory sealed, brand new, for the low, low price of only $125. And it comes with free shipping. It's not too bad for an NES game, actually. There you go. Yeah, those NES boxes in particular have just not held up over the years. <laughs> I do have a complete copy of it. Dang, you're, you're lucky. I think you're... I paid nah, I paid 25 for it, maybe. It's worth about 30 ish 2530 it's not too bad ah oh, you should have got it factory sealed and never opened it or played it because it's worth twice <laughs> well, that well if much. i would have done that i've never been able to go on the show yeah you just have to stare at the box no what you could do is you could not that we would ever do this but you could download the rom and play it on the emulator and you'd be legal because if someone ever come and said hey are you playing an illegal ah i got a copy right here legitimate copy see i'm just playing off my backup copy haha uh-huh. Anyway, so and how uh, much is the Game Boy Color version? I Actually, I think that one's pricier than the NES version. I don't know if anybody really wants to. Is people even playing Game Boy Colors? Boy, you can play, on the Game you Boy can play it with your Game Boy Advance, yeah. Uh, well, I got one that's out of the box for about 15 bucks, so it's about the same price. Uh, if you want to complete, there's one here for 70 bucks. Yeah. It was kind of an obscure uh, Game Boy Color release, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of pricey. And, of course, it is not on the Virtual Console, right? Uh, I don't think so. Crystal. Crystalless Virtual Console. Game 5. Someone... Nope, not yet. At this rate, it's probably not going to be on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Wii U is suffering, and, and of course, Wii's, Wii's been decommissioners of a while back but even the Wii U I'm like reading news you know that there's so much more talk about Nintendo's next system and I'm like thinking to myself I just picked up a Wii U last Christmas it's only been out for a couple of years I swear and uh, it doesn't have that many great games on it and certainly the one thing that Wii U should be perfect for is RPGs because you got that second screen for your inventory maps of the dungeons talked about this before 
but 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 there's no RPGs aside from class of year. Wait, that's not nope. That's the Vita. I'm getting my systems confused. There's no RPGs hardly on it. There's there's just unless you go into the virtual console, and that isn't going to make use of the second screen. Yeah, come on, boys and girls, get with the program. Xenoblade Chronicles is going to be awesome, but we need more. We just we just need more. Anyways. Well, the Wii's RPG library wasn't huge. No, no, but it was no. better than the prior Nintendo console. No, and the no. About, that, they're about the same. I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be generous to the Wii. I'm just <laughs> thoroughly convinced, boys and girls. If you are an RPG fan and you want to go a backtracking, get yourself some PlayStation action. Just so many good RPGs through the years on those systems. All right. Anyways, we digressed too much. We need to move on. We need to take a break, and we're going to be right back. We're going to do a blast from the recent past or two. Hold on one second. Welcome back. This is the Blast from the Reason Past segment where we like to take the time machine, set it back exactly two years, give or take a month, and uh, see what came out to see, uh, you know, and, and help you all decide whether it's, it's worth your time or your effort or or uh, or whether or not you should take that. If you bought it brand new and never got around to it, whether you should maybe just use the disc as a coaster now, a very expensive coaster. Ha! Yeah, hopefully not. We got. We, we hope got, that. And if we're talking about any cartridge games, then that gets really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deviate off the rules just a teeny tiny bit because uh, what what Mr. Mickey does is he puts a a list together uh for 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 us every show to to do a blast from the recent past, uh, presuming we have enough time. And a lot of times we just don't get around to it. But uh, uh, today I knew Crystal was going to be a little bit short, so I I took uh, some liberty to take a look at this huge, huge list. And uh, I'll pick a uh, pick a few from there that I was familiar with, and uh, oh boy, but boy, Soul Sacrifice, uh, yeah, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Gates to Affinity, Atelier Aisha, the the Alchemist of Dust, Dead Island Reptile, Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Survival, Soul Hackers, Pandora's Tower, the Dipnamen Two, what the hell is that? The Incredible <laughs> Adventures of Van Helsing. I mean, there was just a, a lot of games coming out around this time. A, a couple of years ago. I can tell you ago. about the Dentaman 3, but I didn't play the Dentaman 2. What, what is the Dentaman? The Dentaman are these weird little... They almost look kind of like Teletubby guys, and they're just... They're a bunch of multicolored things, and they each have one particular area, and you grab a party of them, and you go do stuff, and uh, they die really fast, but they also... It's a really weird series. Remember I was telling you about this last summer, I think, how you either grab them by going into a room and then using your 3DS gyroscope to spin around and catch them. And you have to do this in public, by the way, because it needs unique Wi-Fi signatures. So you're going to be spinning around like a putz in public while everyone's watching and wondering, what the hell are you doing? 
I'm trying to catch Denpaman, dang it! Or you can apparently scan uh, QR codes into your 3DS and attempt to get them that way, um, which, you know, it's fun. <laughs> Sounds pretty terrible. That That does not sound in any way, shape, or form like fun. What are you talking about, Phil? That is that is innovation right there. See, you can't think of any other series in which that is the way you get new characters. By finding a unique Wi-Fi signature that you haven't touched in, I think it was 24 hours, and just spinning your, your around. Oh, oh yes, and you have to take your time doing it because you're just going to grab whatever Denpamen you see first thing, and if there are a bunch of ones that you don't want or the match types you already have and you're going to want to get more but you're held up you have to get eight and then stop and then inventory them for a minute or so before you can catch any more so i hope that you really like hanging around while people can watch you do this hmm. okay. it's uh, wow it's an experience now admittedly this was Denpaman 3 Denpaman 3 probably tweaked some things and may have even improved upon the state of Denpamen 2. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess not. I'm going to say probably got better things to do with your time. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. You know what else might also be a waste of time? Neverwinter. The free-to-play MMO. <laughs> I love myself some Dungeon Dragons. Generally speaking, most games that have had the word Neverwinter in them I have found to be enjoyable. However, um, if never... we take the word nights away and just leave it Neverwinter, that does not help anything, right? Right. No, actually, no. It's it's uh, no doesn't doesn't actually help. It, it makes it a really bad game. So, yeah, I love myself some Neverwinter Nights, the uh, the Atari game that came out around a decade ago. But Neverwinter, the MMO. Uh, which came out a couple of years ago, was a free-to-play MMO um, developed by Cryptic Studios, uh, published by Perfect World Entertainment, released on June 20th, 2013, and uh, on the Xbox One just a few months ago. And it's supposed to eventually make its way to the PlayStation 4, I've heard. Uh, you you basically could choose uh, one of a number of uh, eight different Dungeons & Dragons uh, classes, forming up to groups of five characters, a very typical MMO fair. It's based somewhat on a on the fourth edition uh, rule set, including healing powers and action points and the such. Uh, one of the key selling points of this is that the players get to make a lot of the content for it. Uh, very similar to like City of Heroes, if you've ever played when that was running. If you ever play that, one of the interesting things was that players could develop uh, like missions and quests. And post them up, and other people could play them for experience and, and currency, and then rate those quests. So when you later came on as a player and looked at it, you could see what the good quests are and what the what the not so great quests were. When I played Cities of, of Heroes, that aspect of the game was a little hit or miss for me. And of course, there were always people looking for ways to exploit this, uh, like making it to where. There's uh, a really easy treasure to get to at the end or something like that, so they can run it over and over again. Uh, so they were always trying to balance that kind of crap out. My understanding, and some of this is going to be a little anecdotal today, boys and girls, because Phil does not have enough time to play all the RPGs out there, and especially the MMOs, and especially the innumerable free-to-play dealies. Um, 
But uh, I have a friend who played it for quite some time. He enjoyed it at the beginning. And then my understanding is, I don't know exactly when, I want to say a few months ago, one of their big release patches really pushed the whole free-to-play thing. I, and, and, just, and just went down the dark path. Uh, for the most part, you could level, you could do most of the stuff when the game first came out without paying a whole lot. Um, surprise, that really wasn't making them a lot of money, I guess, so they decided to change, after a year or so, decided to change their approach. And now they're charging for a lot more required items. So my friend got pissed and left. And looking over some of the forum comments, he wasn't the only one. So I've never had a great feeling about free-to-play MMOs. I've tried one or two, and eventually the money trick or the, the money setup usually gets to you. So keep that in mind. Do your research before you sink too much time into it. Free-to-play is never free, boys and girls, as you do have to put your time in, and your time is worth something, I would hope. So make sure you do And the developers generally do a pretty good job of trying to entice you into spending money in some form, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just a, an eventuality. Um, there's only a few free-to-play uh, games that I've actually stuck with um, over the years, but I've tried quite a few of them. And yes, the vast majority of them are set up pretty much not in the consumer's uh, like favor. Path of Exile. I love Path of Exile. That is free to play done right. You know what? That's not on the list today, but I think that's an excellent sidetrack. Boys and girls, <laughs> run. Don't walk. Run to your local Steam client and download Path of Exile. The best Diablo that Diablo wasn't. Just beautiful game, gorgeous. Uh, it really looks like gothic-y, low magic. It looks like it looks like what Diablo should look like in high-res, what Diablo 1 and 2 should look like in high-res just about. Uh, so much fun to play, different classes, and, and, and if you're going to steal from uh, from a series, you steal from Final Fantasy. It's the tried and true series. And they got the sphere grid for crying out loud, for leveling up for Final Fantasy X. I mean, when you're playing your classes, you get to pick from all these different uh, passive uh, abilities and bonuses or whatever, and, and it's a big sphere grid. Isn't that what it's called, John, a sphere grid? I think, it's, uh, yeah. I think it's called a sphere grid. But, I mean, essentially it's a big, huge maze. Your your character's portrait's in one section of it, and you start from there, and you've got, like, it's like a which way path. Do you want to go left or right? If you go left, you'll get plus 10 intelligence. If you go right, you'll get plus 10 stamina. And then from there, it opens up new abilities and and bonuses and such. You can totally and dynamically change the way you play your character. Well, it's really daunting, though. It, it does make very – you really need to specialize. And without getting into too much detail on how to, to form your character, it's probably one of the most important aspects of the game. But I think they may have eased up on it some, but before you really didn't have – any do-overs or anything once you oh, think you're stuck. I don't think you still do. I think, uh, yeah, that's probably, I mean, some people see this as a, a downfall, and I would understand why if they did, because it's one of my gripes with Diablo 2. Um, or Diablo 1, I should say. Uh, one of those Diablos. Is yes, once you put points into something, in in this game, it's Path of Exile, it's pretty hard to take them back out. There are uh, one-time-use consume items that you get, and if I recall correctly, they only let you take back the last decision you make. And they're in very limited order. So you're not going to have a full character wipe unless you start a new character from scratch. Yeah, you can really make a weak or bad character. Yeah, old school. Uh, not knowing what you're doing. Old school. But, uh, but boy, it's free. So, right, you can't go wrong here. 
because the only thing they sell are pretty much cosmetics. I, I there's some extra bag slots or something like that, which I've never really felt the need to buy. Um, uh, you haven't contributed any, uh, Phil? No, I have not contributed just yet. Oh, what a! I thought about buying in on the la- on the last whole um, uh, the expansion dealy to be a contributor or whatever. I almost did that, and then I got sidetracked by another free to play game. So I, I would probably go back to it. I, I you know I agree with you, John. Um, Path of Exile, and, and actually I would tell you uh, while I'm playing this other free to play game right now. I will tell you that uh, the way Path of Exile does free-to-play is the way it should be done. It is done better than the game I'm playing now as far as the free-to-play aspect goes. It is it is very well done. And it's a very high-quality game. It's not just the fact that they got their um, economics set up right. <laughs> they, they, it's actually a fun Diablo-esque game. Heck, oh, it's got gem slotting from freaking Final Fantasy VII. You get different colored gems. Those gems have abilities. You slot them into your weapons. They level up. Similar system to Final Fantasy VII. So they got the Sphere Grave of Final Fantasy X. They got the 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 gem slotting from Final Fantasy VII, and then you you know slash Diablo two or whatever. And then you've got of course Diablo gameplay underneath the hood and a free to play system done right. Uh, boy, I just can't recommend that game enough. Let's see here. Now that we've got all that good positive crap off our chest. Uh, let's see if we can find another game that people should sort of avoid. Uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Gates to Infinity. Mike, did did you play this game? I did not. Oh, good for you. Uh, this I was never played a Pokemon game, and I see no reason to change that in the near future. Well, and, and if you were, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Gates to Infinity would not be the game you'd want to start with. This is developed by Spike Churnsoft. Published by the Pokemon Company, distributed by Nintendo, released. Sounds like you're having trouble getting through that. I just, I just, for some reason, as soon as I say Spike, I want to say TV, and I'm just imagining a Pokemon game made by Spike TV. That just paints a mental image that, um, yeah, tickles the funny bone. Uh, this was published on the Nintendo for the for the Nintendo 3DS in North America, released on the 24th of March. Um, this is a dungeon crawling roguelike tactical RPG that is very boring. Uh, I, I played this and uh, I lasted maybe two hours. Now, now it's no secret that that Mike and I are not the biggest fan of roguelikes, uh, but I'm a I little. I think you're a bigger fan than I am. Yeah, I'm a little more open to them than Mike are. Mike is <laughs> Mike are. <laughs> hey, you're multiple people now. Um, Thanks! Yay! I'm so, I'm so cool that I'm more than one person now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so if I recall correctly, and I'm sure some Pokemon fan will correct me if I'm not, uh, you start off, you as a human being, having some sort of a dream or something and waking up as a Pokemon. And uh, next thing you know, you're talking with Pikachu and... Uh, uh, you know, Tapig or whatever that one's called, and uh, Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur, and whoever else you got with you, and um, and and don't don't ask me why, but for some reason they feel they need to go into these. You know, the the plot it just moves. They they're slow talking. I they, they of course there's no voice acting. Their Pokemon somehow, even though he's just going pika pee, there he's actually got a whole bunch of text on the screen because now you understand them, and uh, and you wish and you, what what. What deep psychological insights does Pikachu have to offer? Let me tell you. All I wish was that Pikachu, P- Pikachu, Pikachu would shut the hell up. 
I just I just wanted to just move forward to the gameplay because the the storyline I absolutely just did not care about. Now, if you're seven years old, this stuff might be the cat's meow for all I know. And uh, hey, I I enjoy the occasional kidsy uh, cartoon. I mean, hell, I'm the guy who still watches you know Yu Gi Oh and He Man. But uh, yeah, this one's really really digging deep here. Um, and the game is very is very vanilla. There's there's little challenge. You're traveling underground. You got a whole team of a little uh, Pokemon with you, and um, but it's it's just a, it's very simplistic. And ends up putting you to sleep after a while. Again, for a seven year old or something that's really loving Pokemon, he may not care. And God bless his heart, this game is for him. I honestly don't even see the hardcore adult Pokemon fans uh, getting into this. You don't get the depth that I understand you get when you play Pokemon hardcore as far as raising and trading and doing all this other stuff to raise the ultimate team. That's not really the drive here. It's a dungeon crawl, but it doesn't have a whole lot at the end to keep you going. I'm not the only one who thought that. Uh, the, the good people at Metacritic who get everything right gave it a 59%. So probably one to avoid. Oh, oh geez. This is so exciting here. Uh, I wonder what else I can find on the list today. Oh, we'll save that one for last. Let's talk about Might Magic Hero 6. Did we talked about this before, Mike, or is it just me? I don't think we have. Okay, cool. All right. Hey, just I played this one. You play? Oh, good, 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 good. Yes. One one fine day, we're going to do some Might Magic Heroes proper shows, and I expect there will be lots to say. You're right. I do this. I've played. Actually, I've played all of them except oh. for. I think I started at two. All righty. So, uh, what, what you you started with two? Yeah, I don't think I ever played the original. I think two. Is oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Don't go back to the first. That's uh, you're you're good to go. You just stop right there and keep on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Heroes of Heroes of of Might and Magic, or no, it's called Might and Magic Heroes Six. They changed the name around for uh, you know Ubisoft likes to play with names since they took over the the franchise or whatnot. This was uh, initially released. Now it, it's coming up today because of the expansion releasing about two years ago. The original game was released on October thirteenth, twenty eleven. Um, and uh, if you don't know. Heroes of Might and Magic is a turn-based strategy game with strong RPG elements, and we do talk about it on the uh, the website and forums. Do not get into a big, long discussion on our forums about whether or not it's truly an RPG. We will kill you. Um, so, with that being said, it is a game that a lot of... It's a series that a lot of us love, don't we, John? And the correct answer here is yes, by yes. the way. Otherwise, I have to kick you off the call. Okay, cool. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, it- I'm sure you would have played all but the first one because you hated their guts, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. He, he just want, he just suffered through them for research purposes. Uh, he was reviewing them for IGN. Uh, no, uh, Heroes <laughs> for those few people who don't know, uh, Heroes of Might and Magic games, tradition, uh, for the most part, are games where you play a commander um, that leads armies, and uh, you start off with usually with a town, and as your turns go on, you're going to build up that town using resources that you find all over the map. Every turn, you'll send a hero, and later on, you can recruit more heroes, send them out on the map. Uh, just part of the fun of the game is exploration, as you find resource nodes and piles of gold and such, many of them protected by stacks of fantastical creatures such as Minotaur, um, and bats, and vampires, and all kinds of elves that want to shoot you, an arrow in your knee. 
all kinds of different monsters out there. Uh, when combat starts, uh, your you your army for the most part, you and your army fight the enemies. Uh, fight the enemies on a tactical. In some of the games they're 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 square grid based. Some of them are hexagon based. Uh, but you'll you'll take turns. Your armies will take turns with their armies based on your speed ratings. Um, if you've got 500 archers, it's represented by a single archer icon that has the number 500. When the game is calculating damage, it'll take the archer's average damage, multiply it by 500 with a little bit of randomness thrown in, and that's the uh, you know does a little extra math based on your hero's attack rating versus the enemy's defense rating, and that's how much damage you do to the enemy's stack. And if it's enough to kill off five of his units, he'll go from maybe ten giants to five giants. And then he'll get a counterattack with his remaining five giants. And it goes back and forth. So there's some tactics involved. Heroes not only provide attacks and defense bonuses for their armies, uh, many of them can cast spells or provide tactical advantages, such as being able to arrange what order their armies are on the left side of the field, for example, uh, or being able to put extra siege engines or extra siege attacks during their turn, things like that. So building up your hero and leveling him up is important, and any gear and such he equips in most of the Heroes of Might and Magic games tends to have positive uh, impact for the army at large. Um, so that is that is kind of the whole nutshell. The eventual goal being to capture... All of the enemy's towns before they capture yours, and um, and then you win the map. A lot of these games, well, all of them really have campaigns with some sort of story that, aside from maybe the second one, I really didn't care about most of the stories. And even the second one, I can't remember. Who cares? I want to kill things. It's great. Tactical RPG combat But there is a storyline, and if you're into the Might Magic role-playing game series... There's actually a timeline of Might and Magic 6, then Heroes of Might and Magic 2, then Might and Magic 7, then Heroes of Might and Magic 3, Might and Magic 8, Heroes of Might and Magic 4, and, um, and, and, and you can probably connect some of those dots, and there's people who, somewhere who've undoubtedly done that. Uh, it kind of started over again with Might and Magic, was it 5, I want to say? Was it a totally different planet or a, yeah. yeah, kind of Five's a reboot? Five's going to change it up a lot. I think what people are really cling to 4 as their favorite, right? Three. Three? Okay. Yeah. Four was Ubi. Uh, four was. Um, I thought five uh, was when it went to Ubi. Yeah, five was when it went to Ubi. Four was, uh, four was uh, the last one by 3DO. And it was clear that they were rushing out the door uh, because there was a lot of. The AI was pretty weak. The story was even lamer than usual. Um, it, 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 just, uh, it just turned a lot of people um, off. I personally enjoyed it. But, Which was uh, the one where they started the more strategic hex-based movement? Wasn't that four? Let me see here. Two. I want to say two had grid, but definitely three definitely had grid. Now, four four was even looser because I guess that could have been grid. Or I couldn't tell you because it felt more like it was free-floating. They were like more of a hex one. Yeah, well, it was like, oh, yeah, it was like, it felt like it was it was less stringent. It didn't feel like it was like a you know, a grid where each character can only fill up one box. It felt like to me it was a little bit more fluid than that. Like there was, I don't know how to describe it, but it was isometric and it felt like to me uh, there was easier for enemies to get around you and things like that. It wasn't as cut and dry as the the other systems were. But that was the one, that was the first one in a while, or if ever, let me think for a second. I think that was the first one in the series where your hero took to the field and your hero could be killed, but he could also inflict damage directly. So he was part of your strategic fighting. Um, I think I liked six for a bit. The pro- I remember getting stuck on a battle where you just amass troops and mass troops, and the enemy gets 
they have too many in their castle, you just can't beat them. That's a problem I had in a lot of these Heroes games. It is true. So one of the big complaints about the series is the whole, I mean, for the most part, they're single-player affairs, and the computer cheats a bit by giving artificial creature growth. It's bad enough that, you know, these towns each produce creatures every week, and you can trust the computer, just like you, is going to buy them all and, and save them all up for a final battle. Uh, but uh, but the accusation has been that the computer cheats and gets bonus troops. And it's, it's probably been proven a few times over by now. Probably not too hard to prove. A lot of these games have mod capabilities. Three does. Three is huge for modding. Big, huge... Uh, um, there's a whole other expansion made by the gaming community called Wrath of the Gods. It's like... I mean, there was already two or three great expansions for, for Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Armageddon's Blade and some uh, Shadow of Darkness or whatever the hell it was called. But Wrath of Gods was totally community-driven. Introduces a new eighth tier of monster creatures. It's just huge. Huge. If you Google up mods for Heroes of Might and Magic 3, you'll be there all day. Crazy. I've digressed, haven't I? Huge. Yeah. But 6 was one of the... uh, Yeah, 6 could definitely frustrate you in that area. Did you run into any of the bugs? Yes. That was the other thing that turned me off. I remember I was the undead girl. I kind of liked the way they did a lot of things, and I liked the, some of the gameplay. But I remember six... I, I There's supposed to be some spell where you can like, heal your troops, and they just wouldn't heal. And I couldn't use mm-hmm. like my heal ability anymore, and it just pissed me off, and I stopped playing. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll tell you, so John, I, I played this uh, just a couple of months ago. I was, uh, I, was a, I was on a little bereavement lead, had some time to kill my laptop, and I had it installed, so I said, what the hell not? First of all, boys and girls, and I'm sure John can attest to this, um, Heroes of Might and Magic Hero 6 requires Ubisoft freaking service. You play. I hate it. Hey, hey, Mike. Mike, don't you love you play? Oh, it's so bad. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm supposed to be playing Child of Light, aren't I? I never could figure out how to get it to work with you play, so um, I haven't done that yet. I really should. I hear Child of Light. I have is really a game good. on UPlay that I got through Steam that I didn't realize was on UPlay, which I, I think it was. That's from Child Dust. of Light. That's me. Child of Light for me. Yeah, from Dust for me. And I went to go play it on my UPlay, and it says it's already been registered, and uh, I couldn't. I just can't play it. Yeah. Uh, so you're listening to a trio of people who he vehemently dislike. Shit. <laughs> yeah, the shit. <laughs> DRM scheme known as UbiPlay. It is horrendous. Um, Ubisoft, why did you need to do this? What was so complicated about just licensing it out and grouping in the proceeds? Why was that difficult for you? Why did you have to make everyone's life miserable? Oh, is that just your standard corporate procedure now? Thanks. Great. I will play... It, you know what? If this is the future of the Heroes franchise, as much as I love it, as much as I adore it, I will just play my very DRM-free copies, provided by God for a small fee, um, of Heroes 1 through... Well, come here, not 1. 2 through 5, over and over again. Because, no, I won't. No. It, it, it's just a horrendous experience. I bought the Heroes pack off Amazon. I think it's not a bad deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, those on CD-ROM? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. So that's another way to do it if you don't want to do uh, GOG. So, um... Uh, so well, yes, most desktops still have a CD-ROM drive. After all, oh yeah, I I always personally I get custom built computers, boys and girls, and ah. and I always have two DVD drives just to, you know for the occasional game that still runs off a disc, and uh, also so I can watch television 
without having to take the disc out every time to play a game. Um, so yes, I was playing it. I ran into bugs. Now, here's 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 the concern. It's bad enough when you release a game brand new with bugs, and it's becoming way too acceptable. And there's already a ton of other podcasters and YouTube vloggers that are addressing this issue and doing a great job of it. I applaud. I give them thumbs up, and I hit like and share every time someone does, um, you know, something about these games coming out in shitty condition. But what makes this even what makes Ubisoft's um, move here even more? What's the word? Uh, Mike's good at words. Egregious is that is that they haven't fixed half of them yet and they probably Un- never will portable yeah unsupp- uh, unforgivable <laughs> it, it is it is absolutely unforgivable um this game's been out for a couple of years they've had plenty of chances to address any and all bug issues i've understand they squished a few but i ran into the same problems um with gameplay mechanics actually not working which is doesn't make no I mean freaking Heroes of Might Magic 2 and 3 got this right um, way back in the day with probably half the testers they have the benefit of Steam forums and stuff where they can find bug reports and fix them no so no 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 um, I mean the gameplay itself is is fine it's solid it's the Heroes of Might and Magic formula they've made some tweaks underneath the hood I could share them I'm sure John could share them with you boys and girls but the reality is none of that is really we're talking about because while the game is fine on its own merits uh, in, in, in the areas of gameplay, graphics, sound, um, and tactics, when there's bugs ruining the experience and a DRM barrier that's thicker than Fort Knox you got to get through, why bother? There's too many other choices out there, like the older Heroes of Might Magic games. So, yeah. One day, though, yeah, Mike, uh, let's have a Heroes of Might and Magic. Make sure uh, Stringer gets on. We'd love to do that on a series one day. Yep. Uh, okay, one more last and reason pass, and we're going to end this one on a good note, and then we're going to move on. Uh, we wa- I wanted to talk about the incredible adventures of Van Helsing. Now, there's a game you guys have heard about, right? I seem to remember Alex on one. our site gave it a review. Yeah. <laughs> Put on your wide brim hat, grab your weapon, and embark on an incredible adventure in this gothic noir world of Borgovia, where mad science threatens the fragile peace between monster and mortal. Be Van Helsing, monster hunter extraordinaire, and save the day with your charming and beautiful companion, who incidentally, I believe, is a ghost. Um, this is The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing, and it was uh, released on May 22nd, 2013, and it was published by somebody. And for life of me, I'm just having a... Oh, here we go. Neocore Games, published by the same, is available on Steam. So uh, this is a little known, kind of a Diablo. I quickly, you know, I saw when this first came out, I saw some news about it. Kind of quickly wrote it off in my head as a, as a Diablo clone. Trying to cash in on the Van Helsing license, I didn't realize it had a lot of value to it. Uh, I remember a movie being made once or something. But uh, don't, don't remember that movie. That movie don't, is horrible. Don't remember the movie. Yeah. So, really, this one was going to fly underneath my radar as well. But my my wife grabbed the game and played it and enjoyed it. She did run into some difficulty spike issues, and because of those, did not end up finishing that first one. But enjoyed the experience enough to where when the second one came out, she bought it brand new. She enjoyed that one a lot more. And the third game, which came out not that long afterwards, so in two years we've gotten a whole trilogy, 
and she's enjoyed that one even much more. So it's a series that's improving with every iteration. What they're doing now, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this one in particular is they are working, if you haven't seen the news on this, because it's not something you might pay attention to, but they're working on um, releasing all three games, and they're going back to the first two, especially the first one, and tweaking up the formula to include the classes and other changes that they've made along the way. So if, you, if you're thinking about, look, if you're looking for a good Diablo game, first of all, I would have told you before, just, just, just based off of watching my wife play and having a lot of conversations with her, it's definitely on my to-do list. It's definitely a game I'd recommend to any Diablo fan looking for something different. I know I can't go back and play Diablo a whole lot anymore. Yes, it's all randomized. It's still a great game. But for me, it's just run out of steam. It's just, uh, it still feels like the same old, same old. But but if you want some of that clicky click click click, but you want a fresh new setting, fresh new classes, um, and, and something that just uh, and it looks really beautiful. By the way, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I was watching her play number three yesterday, and I I, I kept looking over there, uh, not necessarily for its technical uh, prowess, but rather just the way everything's designed. It's got this very gothicy, dark look to it, rich with detail. We're talking about Path of Exile again. I know, right? <laughs> it has never been a better time to be a, an action RPG fan. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just it's just really really beautiful. But it might be worth waiting for the new HD doohickey to come out. And the guys over there at Necro, whatever I said the name of their company was, uh, Neo Core Games. They're so awesome that if you've already owned the the, the trilogy, you're going to get this new. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a port remake, whatever. Um, repackaging with the DLC, who knows. But you're going to get that for free. So that's awesome, too. That's taking care of the community um, who've supported you. So I'm a big fan of people like that. But uh, it's just it's just a very beautiful, very awesome uh, games. Uh, the, uh, the, the rating reviews uh, on this first one are only uh, 72, but again, it gets better as it goes along. And I would tell you that the people who actually sit down and play it seem to love it a lot. Reading a lot of forum posts and stuff, a lot of people love this game. Um, one other thing that makes it a little bit different too, it has a tower defense section. Like like um where you are playing in the tower defense, I'm you're building up the defenses or whatever as you're helping to defend against waves of monsters. I'm always a huge fan of tower defense, so um and and being a a friend of us, you know, I haven't played League of Legends things like that, the idea of fighting next to of course in League of Legends not traps, it's towers that are already there, but it's the same general gist. Get out there, fight a bunch of monsters. When it gets too much, you fall back. Let your defenses take some of that load off, and your but you can't let them take too much or they'll get broken. That tension between those two is a perfect fit for action RPG. So, um, pretty cool. So go and check it out. It's the Adventures, the Incredible. I'm sorry, the Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. Got to get that in there. Got to get that in there. Got to say it right. So, all righty. Otherwise, uh, you associate it with that terrible movie, and we shouldn't do that. No, no. But we will associate the end of this segment with some more music from Chris Dallas or Chris Dallas. We were having a big discussion about how to pronounce it. And again, we, we just slaughter it, I'm sure. Uh, so Crystal is. We will <laughs> we'll let you listen to some music from Crystal is. And then we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final app. Thank you. 
welcome back. This is the final lap where we just we just tell you tell you our thoughts. We read your comments, your emails, your tweeters, um, anything else you've sent our way. We like to read it all, talk about it, then just talk about all kinds of other stuff like what we're playing and what we're watching and what we're doing. It's the kitchen sink segment. Some people stop listening at this point. But not you. No, you are the brave the few because you have not hit the stop button. Hey, hey, there was a guy who hit the stop button right there. Dang it. All right. We will See, carry you, on you regardless. D- you dared him. I, I did. I did. I did do it. I, I, all right. All right. All right. Let's focus here. Let's, let's, let's first mention that the next show is RPG Backtrack number 149. It's a puzzle. We're going to be talking about a lot of puzzle quest games. And Mr. Mr. Stringer, String Bean, whatever his name is, had to leave, had to take care of his kid or something. But uh, he might be back on for that show. These things happen when you have kids or so I don't give and understand. Yeah, this is why I don't have them. Uh, let's see here. We uh, we talked uh, last show, last RPG Backtrack, about Deus Exes. Deus Exes. How do you even pronounce that? The possessive, form of Deus, De, De, the possessive form of Deus Ex. The possessive form of Deus Ex. Yeah. The possessive form. The plural form. No, no, the possessive. Like, okay, this is Phil's coffee. The possessive form of the word Phil is Phil's with an apostrophe. Phil's apostrophe S. So, okay, so Deus Ex's. Deus Ex. Apostrophe S. Anyways. No, X is sounds like you're talking about a whole bunch of people who broke up and are now trying to get along with each other. That's what I'm saying. It just doesn't sound right. Anyways, we had a we had a um, a, a, a basically just a, a comment from Boudet who didn't actually talk about the game. He talked about he said, "quote I'll drink to that." Quoting somebody on our show, I can't imagine who. Uh, he said, I left harder than I should... You get three guesses and the first two don't count. <laughs> I left harder than I should have when that was said for two weeks in a row. But then I wrote, I blame Mike, he's an enabler. And Boudet... Which re- I am not, because that would require me to go to Utah and purchase the alcohol and put it in your hands, which you stubbornly... You don't need me to do that, do you, Phil? You are able to get that alcohol and put it into your own hands and drink it all by yourself. And he said, uh, I think Mike was avoiding the usage of RPG drink word more than anyone else was. See, Mike, you have defenders out there, people who are standing up for your reputation. And this is mostly because I have my alcohol tolerance has gone down. My stomach feels bad later in the night if I drink too much now, but apparently not yours, Phil, so good for you. You know, I mean, there, there can be a little, little, little side effect here and there, but uh, it's a small price to pay. Uh, let's see here. So you can write your comments over at forums.rpgamer.com and share your thoughts, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of rpgamer.com, in case you don't know, it is your premier source for all kinds of RPG news and the such. Uh, we have a we have a few podcasts. One of them, RPG Cast, they actually review all of the RPG news uh, for the last week or two. 
and uh, go over this stuff in detail and go back and forth and share their thoughts. Um, we don't generally do that here. We talk about older games, but of course there are a few headlines that I uh, like to uh, like to share real quick because I usually feel they're retroy newsy or whatever. But this first one is about a newer game, but it's on a franchise that I love so much. Uh, Disgaea Five has uh, has revealed uh, details about their new fe- features and a, an awesome trailer. You can read about that over at rpgamer.com. I love the Disgaea series. It is tactical RPG on crack steroids. And in most tactical strategy RPGs, they have very forgettable story because the focus is pretty much on the gameplay. But uh, I am one of those uh, people that just love playing through Disgaea games uh, for the story. I love the uh, the combat and uh, the, the uh, broken mechanics as well. Um, and the fact that the game encourages you to use broken mechanics just to survive at times, but um, uh, yeah, you'll have to you'll have to go and check some of that out for yourself. But I, I've loved every game in the series. The um, uh, we talked about Heroes of Might and Magic uh, six today. There are some details about Might and Magic Heroes seven, including release date and beta news. You can find that over at our site. And of course, one of our readers was already asking, will the game require me to be always online and cripple me if I refuse, re- refuse to do so? I forgot to mention that the Heroes of Might Magic 6 with the Ubisoft system. So you got to log into their client whole, whole ever. I'm not even sure how that works if you're not connected to the internet because I'm always connected. But my understanding is if you try, if for some odd reason you're able to play that game offline, then you don't get access to all of the skills or artifacts or something along those lines. So that's where that comment, if you see comments about people saying, am I going to get crippled uh, or whatever have you if I refuse to be online, that's where those are coming from. So we've already got some, uh, and there's a, there's another couple of replies on there along the same lines about the the concerns about the DRM nightmare. So anyways, if you, if you stick with RP Gamer, we do give you news about Might and Magic Hero 7, regardless of whether or not you think it's an RPG. Uh, we do. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and then... Um, and then we have this really awesome editorial by our comrade in arms, Mr. Trent Seeley, um, explaining why a remastering of Final Fantasy XII makes sense. So you'll want to check that out. Personally, if, if... After all, it has been nine years since the game came out. That's... All, hey, I'm, I'm honestly surprised Square Enix has laid off repackaging it in some form so I far. Could, I can win that argument with just one line. Hot ladies with bunny ears in skimpy clothing in high definition. Done. Done. Where's the remake? That sells a million copies right there. Are you waiting for me to make it? What is this? <laughs> You're going to be waiting a long time in that case, you, Phil. You have no response on the bunny ear chick? You don't want it? You're like... I am not touching that. Not touching that. Okay. We'll see if that doesn't get us some... Um, uh, get us some comments, but no, he he actually goes into a little bit more deeper reasoning, such as the possibility of a license board that actually has more depth and uh, incentive to complete the game multiple times and the such. So, uh, I know the license board was an issue for a lot more people, myself included. So it would be cool to see that remade and tweaked. It would be a probably a lot more fun experience. Um, we also talk about original sin. A very cool retro style tactical RPG we've talked about before. Awesome game. 
and they're going to be doing an enhanced version of that. You'll want to check that out. And last but not least, Pillars of Eternity, yet another retro-style game. This one in the vein of the uh, Baldur's Gate series, the old Baldur's Gate PC games that became so popular. Um, or uh, trying to blank for... Did you say popular? Popular. Yes, girly man. Uh... (laughs) Anyways, we've got some uh, information about an expansion for that. Along the lines of uh, retro RPG news, we got a couple of uh, new releases from our good friends at GOG.com. Mike? Yeah. Uh, tell me all about these wonderful retro items, Phil. Y- so, you know, when you're, when you're talking about war... You know, war can be can be devastating and painful, and lots of death and all that other fun stuff. But, but what do, you, do we have a game that makes everything happening in serious seem fun and, and entertaining? You know that that's what games kind of do when you think about it. But when we're talking about why ju- haven't we seen a Call of Duty Syria yet? I'm waiting hmm. for that. Hmm, that'd be cool. A Japanese version of like a Call of Duty, a JFPS. They've sent they've sent plenty of them in Iraq. What's the heck? What's the problem with that would, secret naval seals in Syria? Guys, I just had a thought gasm. Instead of having like JRPGs, Japanese style role playing games, what if we had JFPSs, Japanese style first person shooters, like in the vein of Call of Duty, but they all have really big eyes, and you know the girls are running around wearing short skirts and. You know, and using high squeaky voice as you shouldn't. You know, she'll they'll, squ- and, they'll squeak out. And nobody out. looks to be older than twelve. Yeah, no one looks older than twelve, and everyone has brightly colored hair, different colors of hair. I mean, that'd be awesome. Oh man, there's so much potential there. JFPS guys, use the hashtag JFPS on Twitter. Demand this from developers. We want Japanese style first person shooter. Anyways, Konami uh, seems to be going under. Let's save the company by having it make some FPSs. FPSs. Uh, anyways. You know, we talk about wars. Which one were the best wars of all? The biggest wars. Those are the wars that went on for generations. And the only thing that could be better than a war that went on for generations. So the Hundred Years War. Yeah. Hundred Years. Thirty Years War. Thirty Years War. There you go. Napoleonic Wars. Right. But imagine something that went for generations of war the second time. Yes, we could only be talking about Agarest Generations of War Two. And of course, I have actually not played the second Agarest game. No, I think it's the third because there's an Agarest Zero. Kate, this game. To, to really clutter up the naming conventions and confuse everyone. So, so this 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 game is on GOG now, DRM free for the low low price of only ten dollars, and it's got a three out of five star average rating. So that's awesome, right? And, Three and out five those stars good. must have been pulled out of the sewer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those, those have been hanging on some kindergarten teacher's board for decades. The building is dilapidated and collapsing, but Metacritic went in there and just dragged him out, slapped him onto the site with a barely retouched quick photo. Those are the stars that we're talking about, clearly. Geez, the the three reviews with one star in them is because the game was censored. And and these people will not support censorship. They want full. This one says for pedophiles. When people complain that the Lily message scene was cut, 
you know all you need to know about this very typical JRPG Suedo child porn. Oh, okay. You know, that's kind of curious. I have no idea what this means because I've never played this game before. Now I'm just going to curious and now I'm probably going to regret this, but I'm going to do a Google search. Da, 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 da. Oh, 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 wow. Wow. Oh, oh my, oh my eyes. Oh, damn. Oh, 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 ow, ow. Oh my God. I need some soap. Mike, I need some soap, Stan. I need to wash out my eyes. Oh my gosh, they burn, I, Mike. I they only... burn. Well, uh, do, do you want bar soap or hand soap? Because I think <laughs> which do you want to completely destroy your eyes, or maybe make them better after some? I'll some take the soap and shove it in my eyes, Mike. I don't care. <laughs> don't squabble over details, man. Can't you see? I'm suffering. I hear it. Uh, gosh, Phil, I don't know what the... You did it to yourself. That's my answer. Okay, so the final verdict on Agra's Generations of War 2 is this game will drive you to drink, okay? Just just going to put that out there because now I got to go get a drink to, to help cope with what I just saw. As well you should. Um, oh my gosh! You should see the screen. Just a screenshot. This one screenshot in GOG. You're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. No, no, come on. What, what, what do you think of that screen? Oh, Mike, send me a link here. Let me let me find the little linky button in Skype. Okay, here's the button. All right, here we go. Oh, oh, come, oh, come on, Mike. Come on. Oh, that's uncalled for. That that that. Come on, Mike. That's from the agorist game I played. Ah, oh, jeez. Aren't That's... you... Th- isn't that thrilling? Isn't it sexy? Are you not aroused? What is the problem here? Oh, oh my gosh. Are you, are you not just compelled to immediately seek out that image and keep it on your desktop and gaze at it whenever you want to see... Compe- to comprehend the true beauty of a woman who can't possibly be above the age of 10? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I put that on my desktop at work, I'd be down into HR before the end of the day. And now, Phil, you have just begun the descent into Agarest. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You can never unsee it. No, no, you can't. That's almost as bad as the blank faces. Not quite, though. Those, those faces are pretty bad. Oh, and, and remember, Phil, that that's supposed to be in arousing, I think. I, I guess. Hey, let's talk about something that isn't so painful. Um, so one of the new games on GOG that I've never heard of before is called Albion. Uh, that's A-L-B-I-O-N. And uh, it's a it's a turn based sci fi role playing game that was released back in 1995 uh, by Blue Byte Studios and our good friends at Ubisoft before they discovered the evils of on- permanent online DRM. Um, the uh, the year is 2227, and the Galactic Intercellular Factory ship. Toronto cruises towards a lifeless planet endowed with a wealth of minerals. While studying the planet in a shuttle in a shuttlecraft, the ship is called Toronto. Uh, yes, 
Yes, interstellar factory ship called Toronto. Uh, while studying the planet in his shuttlecraft, the pilot Tom Driscoll unavoidably crash lands against all expectations. He survives to discover his craft has landed in a world rich in flora and fauna and inhabited by intelligent beings. What could the data on the planet, uh, what could the data on the planet of Albion have been so wrong? Oh, how, how? <laughs> Take on the role of Tom Driscoll and explore the extensive world of Albion and his endless surprises in his turn-based tactical RPG. Experience his vast beauty and strange cultures, but be aware that many of its hidden, uh, be aware of its many hidden dangers. You and the companions you acquire on your journey will experience countless adventures together, and your resourcefulness, skills in negotiation, and ability to deal with numerous inhabitants will be repeatedly put to the test. But most importantly, your resolve in battle will determine not only your own fate, but that of the entire world. Now, uh, I have never seen this before. I've never heard of this before. Screenshots look like typical 1995 um, computer stuff. Pretty colorful. Um, interesting. It's kind of trying to mix up some sci-fi and some typical JRPG done. Or not JRPGs. <laughs> um, <laughs> RPG. Uh, First-person perspective dungeons and the such. Uh, I'm having a hard time understanding exact from the screenshots exactly how the uh, the, the quote unquote tactical combat works. It it kind of looks like typical turn based combat, like might magic uh, combat with the pictures of the party at the bottom and the pictures of the monsters taking up the whole screen. I don't see any tactics about that, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll do some more research on this and, and see what I come up with. But if any of you have actually played this, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you played Albion, but here's what was surprised me, Mike. The game has 188 votes on GOG.com for an average of five stars. So that isn't just one or two fanboys who got on early and gave it five stars. How many uh, people voted for Agarest too? <laughs> I already closed that one. Uh, let's see here. Agoristgog.com. Uh, let's see. Agorist Generations of War 2 on GOG.com. Three stars. Uh, 29 votes. So this this little-known RPG already has more votes than the insanely popular Agorist Generations of War 2. And for a lot more stars. So, Well, we haven't seen an Agorist Generations of War 3 so maybe it's not as insanely popular as we once thought. Agarest Generations of War 3, now with more fan service. Just saying. Just it, saying. Where are you getting this? Are you seeing the future again? <clears throat> Why do you have to see the bad future? Jeez, Phil. It, see something better in the future. Shining oh. Force 4 coming in 2025. That would at least be something. But no, you have to see that. Do you are you do you want a nightmare now, Phil? Do you want to have the weird dream where I was cooking in a frying pan and making things out of glass somehow with a spatula? There, you can have that dream now instead of whatever you, horrible thing you just gave me. I'm sure it'll pop up in my nightmares. Oh, oh! Speaking of fan service in in Albion, um, there's a comment. Uh, please be aware there's alien tits. Seriously, the female aliens have four breasts but only cover two. What a weird design decision towards nudity. I have no particular comment there. 
that that just speaks for itself. That is, uh, of course, they're in their what eight uh, bit, sixteen bit glory. Uh, anyways, uh, here's a little bit about the combat. You have a square grid, and your characters can only be on the lower two lines. However, you can choose to advance, in which case all your characters move forward, and then now bottom line gets dropped. Hmm. The depth of the combat is okay, surely surpassed by today's standards, but for the time in a few years um, after, one of the best experiences you could get. Anyways, an interesting twist on grid-based RPGs that wasn't done too often. <laughs> so, interesting, interesting, interesting. If any of you actually had experience with this, we would love to hear from you about it. Um, I might give it a shot sometime and tell y'all what I think. Now, Mr. Mike, what have you been working on lately? Well, I've been playing quite a bit of Front Mission 3. I have thoughts on that, but they will hold for a little while. I have played some of Dragon Fantasy... I guess it's Dragon Fantasy 1. That I will divulge thoughts upon. Yes, the first chapter is very much like Dragon Quest 1, with more user-friendliness and faster leveling and amusing text. Okay, you're fighting a monster that's called a hunk of burning love, and it attacks you by uh, making you all shook up. That's amusing. For a little while. And then you fight the Dark Lord, and then you beat him, and he does his transformation. He turned into the really Dark Lord! Okay. That's worth a giggle. But really, you're just... You're playing a Dragon Quest clone, so you've got one guy... Until I used the capture net, I figured that out, and then I... Once you have a, a captured enemy on your side, then as long as you keep it healed, you have two against one all the time. That's awesome. There's... It's hard to lose at that point. And the combat is straight Dragon Quest. Smack, smack, heal, smack, smack, smack. That's it. So, even though it was short, I was not particularly impressed. Maybe chapters 2 and 3 will be more interesting. And I'm also playing Evoland, which is... Man, that's... The first half hour, at least, is a gas. You go from having... You unlock all of your abilities. You unlock the left scroll. You unlock the ability to have music, to have enemies on screen, to have colors on the screen, to go from 8 to 16-bit graphics, to eventually go to polygonal graphics. It's... It's fun. And even though it takes longer, eventually you get to parts where the, the unlockables are further between... I think I'm pretty close to the end. I know that. And it's only taken me about two and a half hours to get that far. And for that amount of time for this inventive game, it's worth it. Uh, since we don't have a review on the site, I will probably be contributing one shortly. And I don't even know what score I'll give it right now because I haven't finished the thing, but it's definitely inventive. Uh, what else? I don't think I've actually been playing anything else lately. I mean, I could talk about... Nah, I think I think that's it for now. Well, I've been staying busy. Uh, boy, 
Uh, you got so busy that your accent kicked up there. What the it heck? did. I got my busy accent on here, partner. I Are thought, you going down south all the time to play your games with electric connection that's not too stable with, with all the tornadoes and rain that we happen to get in these here parts? We call them tornadoes. Oh my goodness, land sakes. That sounds quite dangerous. Might have to get indoors for a little while. So, I've been going through some of my game collection and I'm weeding some out. And I got huge stacks here for somebody. But, uh, so I've been popping a few, few in. And boy, I, I popped in, uh, um, uh, Jean the Arc for, uh, or Genie the Arc or Genesee the Arc. Who knows? For the PSP. It was a tactic. Uh, yes, the, the, the lady who led. French forces against the English in the Hundred Years' War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 in JRPG style, they have taken such incredible liberties with this that the only thing in common is her name, I think. Uh, but I tell you what, I popped that into the PSP just to just you know to refresh my memory about it a little bit. And I don't know what happened to my save game, but it's not there. But okay, so whatevs. I start off a new game. I'm sure you can find this on YouTube. But there's like this whole bloody anime beginning to this thing on a PSP, and it's 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 pretty powerful stuff. I mean, kid gets taken over by his demon, get red eyes and everything. I mean, it's pretty creepy, man. And uh, and uh, it looks great on the PSP. I love the PSP. If I told you that before, Mike, great great yeah, RPG you machine. It once upon a time. Yeah, it's a great RPG. It's just a great little machine. When I'm not playing Pac-Man on it, uh, boy, it's worth it for just Pac-Man alone. Anyways, so that's pretty cute. Um, I've been playing. Well, you should definitely get an Xbox 360 so that you can play Operation Darkness and have another dose of alternate history. Yeah, that's 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 one part of history that should stay dark. I've I've heard the reviews on that one, seen them, read them, not too okay. good. Okay, our review came from Adrian, who doesn't generally like tactical games, so I wouldn't necessarily take it. As is. Hmm. Um. I mean, you know that, right? If if Adrian doesn't like, in general oh, like tackle games, he'll probably not have a good time with this one. Oh yeah, but I I rarely go off at just one review. So as much as I appreciate Adrian's insights, I, I like a composite. Uh, hmm. Anyways, now got a little sidetracked there. Something about games and stuff. Anyways, been playing a lot of. Uh, I played some. We've been getting back into Blizzard stuff lately, uh, mostly because of Heroes of the Storm. So I jumped back in, gave it another shot because I was back in the alpha and it didn't click for me. But now it's official release. Uh, I forget who mentioned it to me or if I saw a pilot from Blizzard or whatever. I decided to give it a shot and I really, really enjoyed it. Now, you guys have heard me talk about League of Legends before. I did a review for our website. I think I gave it like a 2.5 out of 5. And now it's like the biggest eSport doohickey everywhere. <laughs> so it tells you what I know. Um, probably should never have had me review it because I'm like a nerd. And and generally speaking, if a lot of people like it, I generally don't like it and vice versa. But um, I didn't like – I didn't really like League of Legends. One map um, – it, it just, it, it just. I don't know why, but at the time it wasn't clicking. It just one. First of all, it's just one map, a retail product with just one map to fight on. Uh, I just, I, I just blows my mind. It just, I just, uh, yeah. The uh, so here's the storm. Doesn't have one. Doesn't have two. Doesn't have five. It has seven, seven maps. 
Um, is that good? That is good for me, anyways, because it means variety. I, I just I don't know. I'm the guy that if, if I'm playing a Dota type of game um, or strategy game, I like strategy. Uh, you know, uh, strategy, real time strategy games, and real time strategy games generally come with anywhere from at the very minimum I've seen, I think, is a dozen, and usually go up to two dozen, three dozen tops. With Dota games, I guess, or MOBA games, or whatever they're called, uh, I guess that they can't do as many maps because they have to make sure they are super, super, super balanced. I'm not sure why that's super hard. Just make it symmetrical and call it a day, but whatevs. I'm not a game designer. I'll take their word for it that it's really hard to make it super, super, super balanced. I think you need to come out with more than one. I played Demigod back in the day. It came out with five. Um, so come out with more than one, but but whatevers. When I play the, the bottom line is I play League of Legends. It didn't click with me. I went back a couple years later. By that time, the community was so um, competitive. It had been out for a while that as a newbie jumping in, so to speak, or jumping back into it again after a couple of years, I didn't know what the bleep I was doing, and I would get shredded by the very um, caustic team members on the team. What the hell are you doing, newbie? Oh, my God. And mother swearing, et cetera. So it just go on. Uh, it just wasn't a fun environment at all. The games would drag on. Hey, you, well, you, you don't like having your relatives insulted by strangers online? What's the matter, Phil? Yeah, yeah. So uh, with Heroes of the Storm, it seems like they've addressed a, a number of the issues. The gameplay's faster. They've uh, they've taken out items. Uh, so in League of Legends, as you're going out there, you're fighting. You get you get current like in any RPG, you get currency that you'll go and you run back to the shop really quick in your base and use it to buy upgrades to make your character more powerful. Maybe cover for some of its weaknesses. Well, they've taken that out. Uh, when you level up, there are different skills you can pick that can have a very strong impact on how your character plays, whether he's more tanky or more damaging or whatever. Um, there's some different options there on the table as you level up, and it's done very quickly. As soon as you hit the level, um, the little pop-up comes up on the left, and you pick one of four options, and you just keep moving, pressing on. There's 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 always something going on in this game. And in League of Legends or whatever, there's a lot of uh, farming at the beginning. You're killing mobs for experience. A lot of competition to be the last one to get the hit on the mob because that's how you get the experience points. In Heroes of the Storm, experience points are shared by the team. So there's no competitive environment, at least in response, uh, in, in in terms of, you know, well, you you better get all the kills, Bob, because you're playing this class. We want you to level up first and da-da-da-da-da. It takes out that layer of quote-unquote strategy completely. It's a team event. The team all levels up at the same time. Um, the team that kills the most monsters and the most enemy heroes is going to be a higher level faster and have that level advantage quicker as a team. So that uh, that makes it feel a little more focused and keeps it moving faster. I mean, just so much faster. Matches are oftentimes over. I've had them be as short as 13 minutes before. The average team's about 20. There was one time I had one go for more than 30. And 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 when I played League of Legends, I could I would hit the forty minute mark on the average, and I've had them go push an hour. So the fact that it's much shorter is pretty cool. The uh, it's got the typical Blizzard um, the polish as well. The graphics, the sound, the characters are all instantly recognizable as it's pulling from all the major Blizzard franchises. Uh, so that that adds that extra fl- uh, you know flavor in there. The uh, maps also have really cool objectives. Like uh, on one map, for example, called the Dragon Shrine, uh, or whatever the hell it's called, there's Dragon Shrines on it. There's one on the north side of the map and one on the south side of the map. 
your team has to flag each one by standing on it for about 10 seconds. It'll turn your team's color. If uh, when, if you get both of them at the same time, the middle shrine will light up your team's color. You need to get one of your five team members over to that shrine before the enemy knocks out one of the other two that you've captured and quickly uh, spend like five seconds channeling, which means your team might have to protect you for a few seconds while you're channeling the middle shrine. Once you channel the power from it, you become this big walking dragon knight. And you just go and kick the hell out of the enemy's base until the power wears out. Or you run out of your massive pool of hit points. Uh, it's really fun. So that also adds a lot more spice to the typical uh, th- those objectives. And I believe that's been done in later League of Legends maps. I didn't get to experience that. They, the very first and one and only map that I got to play coming out was pretty straightforward. Um, but this this one this one has those big objectives. So there's another one where there's a pirate captain in the middle. You got to collect coins by beating up monsters all around or breaking open treasure chests that everyone's fighting over. And if you kill an enemy who has coins, he drops them and you can rob them. Turn him into the pirate captain, and he'll have his ship fire cannonballs at the enemy's fort uh, fortresses, breaking down their walls and towers. So a lot of really cool things like that going on. It's fast paced. It's fun. It's pretty cool. The only thing that's that's a little irritating is the matchmaking. If you if you queue in as a single player, it will put you together with a team of four other random players and pitch you against a team of five random players. And that pretty much works out as you would expect it to be. People aren't very coordinated, but neither is the enemy team. So you've got roughly a 50-50 chance of winning. And that that's fine. That's great. That's what you could expect. The problem comes when you start um, getting together with your friends. So I've got a couple of friends, and they're all newbies like I am. Uh, When we queue as a group, though, the game searches for other pre-made groups, and it prioritizes that over everything else. The challenge is that some of the – a lot of the community there has been playing for months or more. The game was officially released, I guess, months ago, and of course before then there was months of beta and alpha that some people were already into. So we go up against some very competitive groups that know how to play their classes better, coordinate much better, and just steamroll us. So it is a little frustrating when my win-loss percentage as a single player is 50%, but then when I queue up with friends, that plummets to around 20%. And what happens is the other people, my, my brothers or whoever, some of them get frustrated and leave the group. So Blizzard should really be trying to encourage you, you know, to play with your friends, and they try to because they give you extra experience points and gold for your account, or experience one of those experience points, I think. But uh, you know, but but you know, I've got some friends who really don't even care about the whole experience point thing. They just want to um, win because they like to win, and, and that's all they really care about. So if they're not winning in your group, they'll go somewhere else, even if you're related to them. So that's funny. Um, yeah. So, that's that. You ever play one of those games, Mike? Negative. Yeah. You're bored sometime. I'd be happy to introduce you to the wild world of Dota type of things. It's free to, it is quote unquote free to play. They have a, what they do is they, um. I hear you putting those quotes around your words there. Yeah, the air quotes. So... I I, uh, I started off with one character. There's like 35 characters. And I guess I had one for free because I bought another Blizzard game that came with the character. I didn't know this. Um, There's there's five or seven characters every week that you can play for free. 
If you don't buy them, though, the next week it'll be seven different ones, and you'll have to learn new characters over again. Um, so if you want to keep a character that you like, you got to purchase them separately. That's the whole mechanism model. They have these starting bundles, one that's $5, which gives you three characters. So you have a base of three core characters you can start working with. Another bundle that has 10 or 11 characters. Every day there are quests, and those quests do give you coins. And there are cheap characters that are only a few thousand coins. <coughs> so you can save up your first batch of characters easily enough. Um, you can get up to the first, you can get up to five, seven, nine for minimal investment. Um, so uh, it, it, it's one of those games where almost you, you'll, you'll pay as much as you want to. They, they kind of scale that kind of well. Where they kind of really screw up is they sell these extra outfits for the characters. I know League of Legends does this as well. So let's say you got James Rayner and he's a Space Marine guy in a Space Marine outfit. If you want to buy him just wearing his regular kind of cowboy outfit or whatever, um, in League of Legends, that outfit might be a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. In Blizzard's game, it's ten dollars for a virtual outfit. But hey, you might get on sale for five bucks. Like, no, Blizzard, you you price those way too high for an impulse purchase. I can find an outfit of, for myself at a thrift store for five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I would tell all of you, if you want to play Heroes of the Storm with me, look me up. My handle's JC Servant Pound Science 1617 on Battle.net. Um, but it's really funny. If you group with me, or if you group with... I, at two people, it seems kind of iffy, but at three or more, definitely seems to hook you up with some hard-ass people. Even if you play against the AI, the AI gets harder. Because it knows you're playing with other people, so it presumes you're more coordinated and know what the hell you're doing. Hilarious. Um... That's actually a good AI. Yeah, it is. And unless you get beat a lot, then you're like, mother, people start getting all upset. I'm okay with it. Personally, to me, it's like any sport. You're going to lose a lot when you're the newbie. You got to practice and learn. Anyways, um, let's see. I also played a lot of Hearthstone because I got a friend who's really into that card game. And I keep getting pissy because speaking of matchmaking, man, I'm like at the lowest ranks. And I still get beat over and over again by people who have these deck and these these you know powerful cards and these awesome deck combinations. And I'm like, I just want to play a quick game and, and start earning up coins so eventually I can buy the better cards because that's how it works. You can either buy the decks with cash or you can do quests every day, which the quests will be like win three games as a wizard, wizard class because they got nine different classes of cards. And you'll get 100 gold. And once you get 100 gold, you can buy a new pack. Okay, so you got to beat a bunch of games to get cards so you can get better. Got it. But it gets it gets a little pissy when you're at the lowest rank. So supposedly it's matching up with their noobs. They keep getting your ass kicked. So I've been getting frustrated. I'm pretty pretty much at the point where I'm just going to delete the game. Because just it seems like it's much worse than before. I played it like a few months ago. It was doing all right. I was winning kind of a bit. I just got bored and quit. But now I got a friend who said to me, he's like, Phil, come and play this with me. And so I'm trying to get back into it. But man, the competition seems a lot stiffer at the low levels. Um, so one of the things that in talking with some of the guys on Twitter, uh, some of our listeners and stuff and fans, um, I had a couple who were like, yeah, that's why I kind of don't like the game either, Phil. And then we have Michael Apps, who loves the game. So don't just listen to me, guys. Boys and girls, if you have good Hearthstone questions and you're struggling, I tell you, Mike Apps, he's at Ask Wheels 
um, on Twitter. If you ask him a question, he'll give you an answer. He knows the game really well. He's very knowledgeable, and he'll help you out. He's totally awesome. Um, but in talking with some of the other people, I told him about a game called Dominion. Unfortunately, it's not, there's not really a good computer adaptation of it. They've tried a couple of things that are out there if you look for them. There's a Dominion-like online version that's eh, – it's not good enough for me to wholeheartedly recommend. Dominion is called a deck-building card game. Have you ever heard of that before, Mike? Deck-building card game. That's right. So, so you don't do it beforehand. You have to do it in the game. That's exactly right. The whole point of the game is that you're going to build a deck. And the way that works is you will start off with 10 cards in your quote-unquote deck. Three of those cards are what we call victory cards. The objective of the game is to have the highest value total of victory cards in your deck. The other seven cards you start off with are coin cards, and they're each worth one coin. So you're going to draw 10 cards, of which seven are coin cards, the other three are victory cards. Now, victory cards, while they're in your hand itself, don't do anything in the game. But the coin cards can buy other cards now in front of you between you and your opponent are 10 cards 10 action cards for sale plus higher currency of coin cards plus victory cards uh, higher point victory cards now the the cheapest cards will only cost zero or one or two coins but the really good cards and the highest victory cards cost five six seven and eight coins well you're not going to get eight coins in your hand we can only draw five cards and some of those are victory cards anyways you might get three coin cards so you need to buy a card that's worth three coins there's an action card that costs three coins for example that lets you when you play it as an action lets you draw two other cards well those two other cards could be coin cards now you got more coins in your hand for that turn so there's some youtube videos that explain this but you'll buy a card and then once you used up all the cards that are in your deck, there's only 10, so that only takes two turns. You shuffle it up with the new cards you've purchased, and now you've got 12 cards in your deck. And then you'll start pulling those and using those cards in your turn. And you'll use those as leverage and power to do actions that put more coins in your hand so you can buy bigger and bigger cards. And then eventually you're going to want to buy the big victory cards and put those in your deck. But there's a tension there. If you buy victory cards too early, they bloat your deck out. And then you won't be able to buy the biggest victory cards because you, you can't get enough coins in your hand. So you're watching your opponent, and then when he's buying, it's almost kind of like a game of of um, chicken who's going to start buying up the points first mm-hmm. um, and start bloating out their deck and slowing themselves down because the end of the game comes when the eight when eight of the highest uh, victory cards have been bought. That's all there are is eight of them, usually a two-player game. So once that deck is empty or three of the the other cards are out of stock, the game is over. You you turn your decks over, you separate the cards into little stacks, and you add up your victory points. So that's a deck-building game. You have to see it. It's hard to explain, but to me it's one of those games that, while it's a little hard to explain, once you sit down with somebody, you start playing it with them, and you start taking them through a couple of turns, it starts clicking. It's much easier than Magic the Gathering, I can tell you that. So and it's a lot of fun, and I like it because it never comes down to who went out to the store two days ago and paid the most money, you know, and collected the most cards, or got the most powerful cards and card combinations, because you're building the deck while you're sitting at the table. You're trying to figure out what is the best deck while you're buying your cards, and you're buying from the same stock your opponent has access to. 
So pretty cool, pretty cool. Check it out. Uh, you can go to YouTube. I put a link on my um, on my Twitter feed to one such video, but you can just go to YouTube and just type in how to play Dominion Card Game. And uh, you could buy the other cool thing, like with Magic the Gathering, you got to buy a bunch of starter decks and stuff, and your friend has to do the same thing, and everyone's spending more money, and whoever spends the most money, generally speaking, has the advantage. Um, it's not a guaranteed victory, but they certainly do have advantages. Well, um, <clears throat> with, to me, it's really cool because you go out, and it's a little expensive. Um, the standard uh, Dominion set, I want to say, last time I checked, if you go out and buy a store, it's like 50 bucks. If you go out and buy it on Amazon, it's probably 30 bucks. Amazon's always cheaper, but you know, you're not supporting your local game stores. So <laughs> decide what to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you don't want local game stores. If you want Amazon to dictate whatever you can, in fact, purchase. Yeah. So kind of keep that in mind. Be, be, be nice to your friendly local gaming stores. Um, Let's see. Uh, uh, Anyways, so for 30 to 50 bucks, wherever you pay for it, but you can play two. I think you can play with more than two people. I think we played with more than two people before, three people, four people. It tends to slow down dramatically the more people you get involved. But um, uh, you, you got enough there for two people. And you can have tons of fun with just the base set. The base set comes with 25 action cards. But in any given game, there's only 10 of those action cards available for sale, Mike. So I don't know how many permutations of sets of 10 there are when there's 25 available. But I'm guess it's a really big number. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's an algebraic formula that I forgot a okay, long time ago. Okay, did you ever buy those those uh, sticker books that they used to have in grocery stores <sighs> where you would plant the stickers to fill out, I don't know, your Rescue Rangers or your Darkwing Duck storyline, and you'd have to go get the, the sticker packs mm. in order to fill it out? Mm-mm. Does this remember? Mm-mm. You're not remembering this at all. Okay. No, I never did that. I did. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it was a pain to get all the stickers because you can't tell which are, which ones are in the pack you're about to buy. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably end up with a lot of duplicates. And to fill mm-hmm. out the whole book requires, uh, what was it, 40 or 50 of them? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's and that's kind of like Magic the Gathering. You keep buying packs, hoping to get you know some good cards to flash out your deck. You might be looking for a couple certain ones or just for something you think is better. And Yeah, no, you don't, don't really have that problem with Dominion because they're all right in front of you. Um, and then so there's 25 action cards and that's the base set they have since come up with a ton of expansions that add a few more mechanics add a lot more cards so the, the, the different permutations of the game now are just innumerable I'm sure and there's been shoot offs of, of, of the deck building uh, genre there's been some that even have RPG elements and it's about defeating monsters and but you're buying your weapons and stuff from the same stockpile from the merchant you know type of thing as you're building, you know, decks. So, pretty cool, but check them out if you've never played. The prob- the only challenge is that I, I, I guess this doesn't make for a great business model. Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering make for a great business model because people will always want to buy extra decks to open up new cards to try to flesh out their decks. Um, yep. uh, so that keeps a, a good, good, strong stream of money coming in. Whereas with Dominion as a card game, once they sell the base set, they were done... You know, once X number of people bought that, they had to keep making expansions. Um, I, I guess that doesn't provide the same stream as opening up random cards or getting a bunch of duplicates you don't want. So, <laughs> uh, can't win them all. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. 
and played a little more Diablo. Some interesting things coming out with that expansion if you're not keeping up. Though, you mean Diablo 3, I guess. Diablo 3, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I we don't... have to be specific, Phil. You know, you're right, you're right. You yourself were talking about Diablo 2 earlier this episode. I know, I know. And you may have mentioned Diablo 1. I don't remember right now. Yeah, but the more I play Diablo 3 right now, the more I just keep... I want to go back to Passive Exile or even jump into the Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing. So my wife is playing so why, it. So why are you still playing Diablo 3 if... Wife is playing... Oh, because it's... One, it's a Blizzard game and I just had Blizzard client open anyways, talking with friends and stuff. And the other... Uh, when uh, Shirley's on my Steam account, I, I, I can't play the same. So Steam has this... If you haven't heard this before, a little tidbit here... Steam lets you share your games with your family members now. Of course, you could always sort of give them your sign-on and they could log in and whatever if you didn't want to do that. But um, now what they have is every – so let's say my dad is in California. He has his own Steam sign-on. I can go in and authorize his computer while I'm at his house. I go and I, 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 there's a place to authorize family members, and they authorize his computer with my account to be able to download and play my games. The vast majority of games work with this. A few don't. But he can now see all my Steam games, and he can play them as long as I'm not playing on Steam. I wonder if it works with Uplay. Yeah, that would probably be one of those exceptions that do not work. But yeah, that would be funny if it did. Because um, then your dad would have to mess with Uplay. Yeah, yeah. So The Incredible Adventures of Fan Housing was actually on my account, so she's been playing that with her Steam login, but using my library. But as soon as I jump onto a Steam game, it'll say, you've got five minutes, because Phil's just logged in, and we're going to kick you out. Ha! <laughs> ah. Of course, just probably, I could always probably do Steam in offline mode. Uh, there's a thought. Huh. I've used Steam in offline mode. I use Steam in offline mode. Why not? So there's probably a way for me to do that anyways. Um, but Path of uh, Path of uh, Exile, though, you need to be online to play that. Path of Exile, like Diablo 3, is an online always uh, game. Eh, free to play. I guess I can't complain about that too much. It's one of the gripes against Diablo 3. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Phil! Aren't you, go- aren't you eager to go see the newest Fantastic Four? You know, I heard that has been doing so awesome. I mean, I am just dying to go out and see this. You know, it's totally awesome that they that they've been making some, shall we say, liberal changes. You know, with with the whole Fantastic Four setup. So I'm dying to see that. That's awesome. Good for them. As, as well, you should be, Phil. Yeah. I mean, as we all know, Doctor Doom is not the ruler of Latveria. He's just some guy who accompanied the Fantastic Four and got powers along with them. He, he was not. A, he did not need anything like his uh, original comic personality to be interesting, now did he? No, no, because, you know, it's not like he's one of the most, if not the most, bad guys in the Marvel Universe on his own. No, no, not at all. No, so clearly we're, we're just fine trashing that and coming up with any given ideas that occur to us regarding a guy named Victor Von Doom. What should we do with him? I don't know. He'll just be generic evil. The name is all you need. Yeah, it's in his name, so... <sighs> you know what I would rather be doing? Playing, you would rather be watching the... Playing RPGs. The 2005 Fantastic Four? Yeah. 
with uh, that rendition of Doctor Doom? I was watching a YouTube video where they were talking about the the whole Fantastic Four thing, and they're like, "What is up with all these cloud bosses? The cloud boss for Galactus and that Fantastic Four, the cloud boss for the Incredible Hulk, where he fights his dad, Cloud, or whatever have you." Uh, there was a couple of other ones they threw out there, and I'm like, yeah, that is a stupid concept. Who keeps coming up with the uh, concept of, oh, Green Lantern, I think, fought a big cloud? I was like, what's the yeah, concept? Was, wasn't that Parallax? But Parallax? Parallax was just, uh, yeah, he was just a big cloud. Just a big cloud. What, what is that? Like, hey, we're really on a budget. Where can we save some money? Boss, if we make the uh, the bad guy a cloud, clouds are cheap. We could do cloud. We're talking a few fog machines. Easy. They're All easy. you have to do is just put a bunch of stuff together in CG and then enlarge the image so that the same thing is repeated endlessly, and bam, you've got a cloud. That's just, all we, you need. We don't even have to hire an artist. Cloud effects on the CG machine are public domain. We can, we can we just download it. I, I, have I, haven't, no. I haven't seen Ant-Man yet, so I don't know if there's a cloud in it. Yeah, jeez. Okay. Uh, one last thing, and then we'll head off. Um... So, LOL, whoops. Is he on our staff? I forget who's on our staff anymore. He actually is on our staff. He's now. on our staff. Okay. LOL, whoops. Longtime listener fan who's now on our staff. Is he a newsie? I think, yeah. Well, let's start out with newsies. I start out with a newsie. Um, anyways, we were having, LOL, whoops, and I were having a discussion um, about JRPG July. We've talked about it here on Backtrack. It was, a, it was a great opportunity for people to, to jump online and share their experiences playing JRPGs all in a single month. It was a lot of fun, and I, I think a lot of people were encouraged and, and just had a great time pulling out the uh, the JRPG thing in their backlog uh, or finishing off ones they had started before. Some people were jumping into brand new ones, uh, and they had never even knew what a JRPG was before they jumped on the bandwagon. We had people sharing their experiences through blogs, screen captures, Let's Plays and more. And the way most of us were following all of their experiences was through Twitter. So, I mean, you might post a blog and, you know, just mention on your Twitter or a, a video or whatever. Screenshots, lots of screenshots, easily tagged in Twitter um, using the hashtag JRPGJuly. Uh, it was really cool. I think a lot of play people really, really enjoyed themselves. I mean, we saw dozens of tweets every day. Um, and I think that deadline gave some people... It, JRPG July was something different for everybody. There was no really set rules and in, in ground uh, in rock and in, in solid stone, whatever. Set in stone. There we go. And some people continue to play their JRPGs past the July 31st date. I still see a few tweets here and there, kind of like the, the dying embers uh, on a fire that's going down. Um, and uh, and who knows? Maybe next year, some people will just pick up the game that maybe they put on pause for eleven months, waiting for the next JRPG July. So as uh, as we were kind of discussing, maybe they'll only have to wait six months until January. January, there you go. So as we were discussing some of the, um, you know, how much fun we were having doing this, you know, uh, we had a couple of ideas. Of, well, what if we? I mean, I know it's been talked about before, but what if we kind of kept the, the hashtag thing going, but rotate out a different type of rpg you know every month i mean yeah january could be another jrpg month there's enough jrpgs or where that be probably a, deserves could be joke rpg <laughs> joke rpg that was my thought or jolly rpg or jump rpg that or um jingoistic rpg there we go there's a good one i can see lots of people hitting that one up 
Well, yeah, yeah. Or Jamaican RPG, because we really don't have a W for Western RPG, so. No, we don't. And, yeah. uh, okay, let's let's come up with a good synonym for uh, we, we have to um, We have to come up with something there to make it fit into a month. I don't know. We, we could say North American, but that doesn't work either. Because October. No. Other wait, wait, wait. August. American RPG. Ah, American RPG. Oh, we need. We need it. I know Bioware is not American, but uh, we're 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 trying to work hard here, people. I'm sorry. You know what? And there are no months that start with C, so we can't have Canadian RPGs. Oh, you know we needed an A word too. Oh, computer. Oh, you're on a roll. Wait a bit. What is computer? Wait, wait. What month starts with C? Uh, we'll have to see how the months are called in other languages. I think. Oh, jeez. Okay. So right now, yeah, we have Japanese again for January. February would be favorite RPGs, where you continue to start an RPG that you really, you know, love and, and you know, replay it again. How many times have we all said, oh, I, you know, I loved, you know, this, uh, you know, Final Fantasy VI so much, I should go back and play it again. That would be the month to, to go back and play it again. Um, March, we kind of called it mobile RPGs because, you know, handheld RPGs would make more sense, but there's not a month that starts with H. Um, action RPG April, not April's full RPG though. Th- there goes your joke idea. Um, I particularly like May. That was what my brother came up with. Maybe an RPG May. You know those those RPGs that were always arguing whether or not they're RPGs. Games like Zelda and such. Um, Ratchet and Clank. No, really, it has experience points and levels. Um, the Wolf Among Us. I mean, that one has more choices than most RPGs combined that impact people's lives in the story. Um, Gears of War. <laughs> yeah, Gears of War. No, wait a minute. Uh, you can make a case for it, I'm sure, if you're going to really go out there. So those are your – maybe that's your month for transitional um, RPGs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we got a couple of J's and JRPG July would stay JRPG July because that's pretty much set in stone. What about the What about the other J? June, <laughs> but we don't know what to do with June yet. We don't know what to do with 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 August. Uh, J- Jolly RPG, uh, Jolly RPG. No, we need something better than that. <laughs> SRPG September falls right into place, and then October November is really awesome because O is for older RPGs where you play something from last generation or older. And November's for newer RPGs, games from this generation. So um, the PS4, Xbox One generation? What's that? PS4, Xbox One generation? Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever newer generation means to you. A lot of this is very subjective, so we try not to be too anal about it. But yeah, I, would, I personally would think anything from... Um, you know, PS4 on up, maybe at the beginning of the decade for computer games. Um, that's and that leaves us with D. D for, for Dungeon Crawler RPG December. So plenty of Dungeon Crawlers. They really have made a resurgence in the last uh, five years or so thanks to, you know, Edgerian Odyssey and series like Legend of Grimrock and the such. We've seen a lot of Dungeon RPGs lately. For a while, I thought they were completely dead. So, I mean, this is all set in super wet mud. Uh, We're looking for suggestions. (laughs) We're looking for thoughts. We're gauging interest. So if any of you have any thoughts or ideas or anything along those lines, uh, you can feel free to tweet me, email me, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. Tweet me at jcservant. Hit up our forums, and uh, maybe we'll start a thread or something. We're still just kind of all talking this over and seeing where it goes. Um, So we'd love to hear from you. 
So, so? Um, I think that's all I got right now. I'm pretty pooped. <laughs> I'm running out of voice. <laughs> well, we, we 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 shouldn't force it. No, no. We've we've managed to take Crystalis, uh, a game that really, you know, while it's awesome in its place in history and stuff, it admittedly doesn't have a ton to talk about. Is it's, it's a shorter action RPG deal, and we've turned we, it we into. Managed keep, we managed to keep it going for a while. Yeah, we've turned this in uh, what will probably be a three-hour podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how well it turns out in editing. But uh, oh, you know, and don't you worry, Phil. I'm sure that we can come up with <laughs> a highlight episode someday. Highlight, high end highlight. Hey, you. Oh, two other really weird things, real quick. Um, uh, speaking of JRPG July, so I'm still following JRPG July on Twitter, so I still get the updates. And, you know, so um, I, I forget who originally did the post, but somebody posted, it is inevitable for JRPG July, Max Storm will be finishing Quest and Final Set. Oh, it's the RP Gamer's announcement. Um, uh, you know, here at RP Gamer, we love RPGs, whatever. And you click the link, and that would normally take you to RP Gamer. Um, but there's been a lot of people kind of like their... They're not even hitting the retweet button. They're like cutting and pasting the uh, the article heading, and then there's a link well. where it takes you to this third party website that that has our article cut and pasted into a third party website. It is weird as hell. And if I were y'all, I probably wouldn't click on that link because for all you know, it's got a bunch of viruses. But it's being retweeted by – there's an there. it looks like uh, it's written in that funny Middle Eastern language. There's Russian characters. There's somebody retweeting it in Russian. Cyrillic? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar. Well, Cyrillic and uh, Arabic do not look the same. <laughs> Arabic, yeah. And I just recognize that it looks like – I mean it could be I, – I don't know. Anyways, just be careful. Uh, uh, you know, only only click on links from people you you trust, um, and even then, be a little cautious. Their accounts might have been hacked. That's one thing. You know, another thing is, have we ever talked about the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games? Not yet. Did okay. you really, really want to talk Neptunia? Phil? <laughs> this is this is a surprise to me, but I suppose it can be arranged if you're that desperate no no if if you've fallen for wheels and you you want to join him in his quest through his loving visits through all of the neptunia games i'm sure we can arrange that i played one it was really kind of weird uh the combat system was okay but the story was a little bit over my head and it was just it's real i mean talk about jrpg i mean some of this japanese stuff is way out in left field there's a little bit of fan service and stuff going on there as well I don't know if it's as bad as Agress were. But um, anyway, there was like a number of these that came out on the PlayStation uh, 3. I think there's one coming out on the PS4. I'm not sure. But I found out the other day. And they're being they're being put on Steam now. Yeah. They're, they're Sort of remakes, maybe. Yeah, they're popping up on Steam. And just about every single one, including some new spinoffs, are showing up on the Vita. Yep. Weird. Weird. Like, where was the big push... I mean, this thing only sold, I thought it only sold like, I read somewhere like the first one sold like 30,000 copies in Japan or something. I can't imagine it sold that many more thousands here in America. 
I mean, and the Vita is uh, admittedly didn't sell enough for Sony to keep you know keep it going. So there isn't a big install base of Vita owners. So you're taking a niche handheld system and you're putting a niche JRPG series on it and going through that production cost for. I don't know. It's really interesting. Uh, I, we've talked about this before, how the uh, Vita and the PSP are definitely um, RPG homes, havens. Um, but when it comes to Vita, I've, I, you know, you never claim there's a ton of new RPGs popping up on there. The Vita's strength and its uh, main strength when it comes to RPGs is its ability to play a lot of the games through the store, a lot of older games, and some of these um, Japanese import-onlys deals that they don't have physical copies of that you can just buy directly from the store and download to the device. But uh, this is, uh, yeah, these are physical copies. And anyways, if any of y'all have any ideas, because I just found that a little surprising. They're on Amazon. They're like 30 bucks a pop. Um, Tweet me and let me know your thoughts on the subject. Uh, Okay. I don't know. It's a mystery. Did you expect me to have some more profound insight? I'm sorry. The, the workings of the Neptunia games in particular, I have never devoted myself to learning. I suppose I could, Yeah, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, um, I think that wraps it up. I'm going to remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and hope to the best gaming community on the net. Uh, you can uh, you can catch everything we have over there on the website. We uh, you can leave us feedback. We have forums to post on something something something. We also have lots of sister podcasts you can listen to: the RPG Cast, the Active Topical Banter, the Q and A Quest. It's all on the left hand side in a little section, neatly labeled podcast, so it's very easy to see. And uh, and listen to our lots of podcasts and where we talk about RPGs several times a week now. <laughs> uh boy and uh and chit chat with us and share with us we'd love to hear from you and um mike do you have any final words for us i suppose i could have made this some kind of a twofer with the uh, magic of shahrazada or some other nes action rpg but uh, you know what general advice from crystalis just applies elsewhere if you see a ferocious animal and it looks like a mutant coming at you, the response is, of course, to grab a sword and try to kill it. That I don't even need to say that, but apparently some people try to run away instead, and that is just not the way you're ever going to save the world, people. Good. The future. All the guns are gone. Animals have mutated and attack me everywhere. Evil people are trying to take over the world, too. Life sucks. That may be so, but here... I'll give this guy a sword with amazing power, and he can kill all the things trying to ruin our lives. Ha! There! I smashed the evil flying robot that the bad guys were using, and... Wait a minute. It fell down into the sand. The head looks familiar. No! It can't be! (laughs) 